Hello there. Welcome to May Fight Club, specifically Midnight MMA with yours truly, Manny G. Episode number seven, seventh episode. We're going to go over the week that was in mixed martial arts. A lot happened last week. Tons of stuff. I mean, shit, even Floyd Mayweather decided to fight this past weekend. If you didn't know, he fought. Exhibition bout up in uh, Europe somewhere. So a lot to talk about. We'll recap the details of Vegas 70. We'll talk a little KSW, Peloton 91, touch upon a few top stories. If you're new here, Midnight MMA is a summary of the week that was. So we're talking about all the things that just happened this past week. We'll take a glance at the week ahead. March is going to be fabulous. No more Apex for what, another, what, six to eight weeks. Live events should be fantastic. If you're here with us tonight, we welcome comments, suggestions, critiques. The comments section is yours. I will jump in there when necessary to highlight some comments, media any fights. I'm just joking. We tend to have a very good chat section. So if you are here and you want to comment, feel free to do so. For Vegas 70, I'm going to give a pretty detailed recap because we try to use this show as also our recap of how we did betting and whatnot <clears throat> some of the topics tonight we're going to discuss are the california state california bill that's being proposed for pensions for mixed martial arts fighters i'm not sure all the intricacies but we'll touch upon that a little bit yagoslav amazov bellator 291 defends his belt this man has been fighting in the ukrainian War versus Russia. We'll talk about him. <clears throat> Jim Miller. Have you heard about the eye injury that Jim Miller suffered? If you haven't, Google it on ESPN. You'll or Google it. ESPN has an article on it. We're going to talk about it. Pretty serious eye injury. He's going to keep pushing forward though through this. UFC's finalizing a deal for Sterling, all Jermaine Sterling to fight Cejudo. Very exciting. Another example of how the UFC just slides people in there for championship fights whenever they want to, right? <laughs> want to talk about my friend Blood Money MMA. He nailed it this weekend. We're going to go over the results of his bet sheet. He was like four for four or five for five. And one of the best cappers in the space, this guy, Cody, very sharp. So we'll talk about those topics. We may have a guest. We may not. Uh, sometimes our guest list very dependent upon schedules, right? As usual, today's episode is brought to you by FightTube. That's FightTube.org. We'll be releasing this spring. We'll talk to you more about FightTube throughout the show. So, <clears throat> let's start off with Jake Paul. Did anyone here watch the fight last night? Or yesterday afternoon? We did. We did. It was, um, it was a spectacle. It was, uh, what's that, the phrase, it was what we thought it was. You know, like it was what we thought it was. And yeah, unfortunately, I feel like we, we can't, uh, we can't take Jake Paul's fight serious anymore. That's the point. I got to tell you guys, 
I was concerned the fight would be rigged so that he would just win outright somehow. Second, third round, there's a point being taken by the referee, who, by the way, was way too much into the action. Anyway, fast forward, the, the fight goes to decision. Fury wins by decision. I was surprised. Three-point advantage, I think, on two of the judges' scorecards. It was a split. Boxing's going to be boxing. And Jake Paul gets the win. I'm sorry, he gets the loss, his first loss. How would this affect the whole, like, Thing. He was talking about he doesn't want to fight KSI if KSI loses a fight and now he loses the fight. I don't know. I don't know. Something tells me Jake Paul will be just fine. In the post fight, he said he wants a rematch. He has a rematch clause. Of course, Fury said he will accommodate. His biggest payday in his life, right? So the long and short of it is Jake Paul finally has his first L. I do want to mention he does knock down Fury in round eight of that fight. I thought for sure that was it. He's going to win at that point. Kind of a slippage knockdown. It wasn't a clear flash, like knock you out, head spinning, whatever. It was pretty, uh, pretty minimal damage. Scoring the fight myself, I thought Tommy Fury won. He looked cleaner at times. And quite frankly, for Jake Paul, it looked a little... Rough. He said post-fight he wasn't feeling the same. So, yeah, the the weekend capped off with uh, Jake Paul fighting on Sunday, if you didn't know. And he was fighting over in Saudi Arabia. What a scene, by the way. Let me riff on this scene for a second. Princes, royalty. You had tons of combat sports veterans. You know, the presence of Mike Tyson, who, by the way, was a openly practicing Muslim years ago, I'm not sure if he is anymore, but he was there. You had Deontay Wilder. He stopped by the press booth. This dude was fully dressed out in the attire with all the, the white garb and everything. He was there promoting his stuff. Of course, Tyson Fury was there because he's the brother of Tommy Fury. If you don't know, they are brothers, but they look nothing alike, kind of. So he was there. Now, how about this little antic? <laughs> It's like sixth round, fifth round. The, the the black gentleman who was doing the hosting, Radio Radio Rahim, whatever, he comes over to Logan Paul. We're talking like sixth round, middle of the fight, kind of. Hey, how you feeling, Logan Paul? What do you think? What's going on with your brother? And Logan's like, Yeah, you know, if you could hear me in there, meanwhile, the mic's like playing the whole the whole stadium can hear what he's saying. You can hear me in there, you know, just keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. And for 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 uh, Tommy Fury, he's, he's, a, he's a bitch. He's getting tired. Guess that what? I'm like, holy. What kind of circus is this where we have microphones in the audience hearing somebody call one of the fighters a bitch or whatever? He's weak. Yeah, that was kind of circusy. But Tommy comes out actually next round. Looks like he took it personal, picks up the pace, gets the win. Mind you, DraftKings and Fandle did not offer lines in this fight in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. I did want to wager on it. I went to put money on Jake Paul by decision and Jake Paul possibly to knock down Tommy Fury. Those are two bets I really wanted to get in on. Thankfully for me, the casinos didn't get my money. <laughs> I was surprised. <clears throat> I was very surprised, especially considering a point was taken in back-to-back -back rounds from each fighter. 
I thought for sure that was opening the window for some squirrely judging. It didn't happen. And the train stops for a second for Tommy Fury. It's the night of my life. Night of my life, man. Looked pretty good. So good for him. He moves forward for a rematch. And I'm sure in the rematch, though, I don't know what they'll do. They'll, <laughs> they're going to work it out so that everyone wins, right? Let's get into UFC Vegas 70. The details. Now, what I'm going to pull up for you here, I'm going to share screens, is the Excel sheet that we offer on our on our Google Drive. If you're not familiar with this, super easy to access. There's a link down below here in this description of this video. If you're hearing this on our podcast, of course, there's no link down below, but you can always circle back around and check out our YouTube channel. Look up episode seven of Minute MMA, and you'll see in the description down below, there'll be a link there for our Google Drive. <clears throat> Excuse me. On our Google Drive, we have folders for each event that we cover. If you go there and you don't see the folder right away, go to the archived folders. In there, click that folder. It'll open up all the events we've covered for 2023, which includes UFC Vegas 70. And if you go in there and open up the UFC 70, UFC Vegas 70 folder, you'll also find an Excel sheet link. That is what I'm looking at. That's what we're referring to right here. We're going to go over this Excel sheet. We're going to go over the tip sheet as well. How do you get tip sheets from us? Super simple, very thorough. Two methods. One, there's one in this folder right here. That's their pre-event. Nice and cleaned up for you. And then you can just subscribe to our Substack newsletter, which you should do either way because you get a full card breakdown in written format, odds, betting spots, and then our full tip sheet. I do want to say we are three weeks straight now, positive ROI for UFC events. And that's three weeks of a good amount of betting action, meaning that we're placing 10 or so prop bets, we're pay, placing four to five good parlays, two or three specials, and then three to four direct individual bets. Yeah, we're getting some action. If you like action, that's our angle. Now, I respect the cappers out there who are more like, you know, two or three bets per card. My man Blood Money, for example, very efficient. He'll give you four or five solid bets. He's going three for four, four for four. That's his. With us, we have a lower winning percentage per se, still an ROI, and you're sniffing sometimes with the edge of getting huge return because we're playing those plus 2,000 spots, those split plot props. You like the action. Manja, manja. If you don't already have a glass of wine handy, now's the time. If you're hearing this tomorrow morning on your way to work, no wine, <laughs> coffee, right? So for the Monday morning, commuters, the people that are on the way, or maybe you're getting ready in the morning and you're just putting this on in the background, grab that glass of wine, that shot of espresso to get it going. For those joining us this evening, maybe your West Coast time, three hours earlier, it's only 9, 11 p.m. over there. You can have some wine. You can go ahead and fill your glasses. Enjoy your wine with me. I'm drinking a mixture of, it's called 19 Crimes. I never heard of it. I saw it today at the store. I said to myself, Looks good. 19 Crimes, limited edition. It's got a face here of some kind of like a...
President Lincoln, President Lincoln slash Abu Dhabi beardo stashio type of dude. Anyway, let's get into it here for UFC Vegas 70. And since we're going to talk about this, I do want to say the funniest thing from the sports weekend or the week that was mixed martial arts happened on this card. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about it when I get to it. Okay, so this card is a card that most people would perceive as one of the weaker cards, right? UFC Vegas 70. Not much to write home about. No titles, obviously. Apex event. Main event was going to be Krylov for Span. That got canceled during the fight card. Oh, my goodness. We'll talk about it. So we ended up with Andre Muniz and Brandon Allen in the main event. Three rounds, though, because it was such a last-minute thing. Yeah, this card got pulled apart from the beginning. There was a lot of cancellations before the card happened. Um, off the top of my head, let me see what we have here. So just some of the cancellations that were before Saturday night. Reyes versus Trevor Peak was called off. Trevor Peak still fought. Jose Johnson versus Garrett Armfield. That was like Thursday, Friday type of cancellation. Feely versus Almeida. Eric Gonzalez versus Darius Flowers. Jasmine Jasita Vicious versus Courtney Casey. Of course, Jasmine still fought. And Gonzalez still fought. Ode Osborne versus, versus Dennis Bondar. He ends up fighting Charles Johnson gets the win. And then, of course, you get the day before the event, Haley Cowan versus Aileen Perez gets called off. That was weird because from all reports, Haley Cowan made weight. That wasn't the problem. There was some type of other medical issue. Wasn't released. If you saw Aileen Perez online, she was, I wouldn't say she was trolling Haley. Yeah, she was trolling Haley. She said things like, hey, all this talking. Why can't we fight? Why can't we fight? So I think Haley, yeah, they'll reschedule it about probably. For Aileen Perez, she did get her show money. Doesn't get the full allotment, but <clears throat> excuse me, we lost that fight on uh, on Friday. So that ends up happening. That moves the card down to 11 bouts. Initially, it was supposed to be 13. Okay, so 11 bouts. First, first fight in the card was Nerillo Alia versus Rafael Alves, and at minus 180, it was a bargain. It was a bargain, guys, because the kid Aliyev was going to win by decision. He did that. Fight goes a distance was plus 105. Yeah, that was easy money. If you're looking here again on, on the screen next to my pointer, now I'm pointing out the props that we were playing or at least looking at. We'll talk about the ones we played in detail when we do our full tip sheet recap. But just for results purposes, Aliyev by decision was plus 200. Over one and a half, minus 225. The fight goes a distance, plus 105. And then we had a KO prop for Alves at plus 425 we were looking at. For Alves, yeah, I mean, he just got out-wrestled by this little young Dagestani lookalike. Um, you know, he's from Tajikistan, fights a lot like Khabib, got it done, very young. So if you put money behind Aliyev, you were very satisfied, easy win. Next fight up, Joe Selecki, biggest favorite on the card besides the main event with... um. Tatiana Suarez. So Selecki opened up, I think, minus 250, minus 300 range, and then started to little by little creep up. More and more became a favorite. This motherfucker closed at minus 520 range. So clearly the market was behind him, and they were fading Carl Deaton. Even though a lot of our props were on target here, we, we definitely missed the actual first-round submission prop. 
And don't you know, after the fight was over, somebody mentioned that Selecki's finishes are like all in round one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was it's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> it was a bit of a no-brainer. Let me double check that, make sure I'm not uh, misspeaking. But for those listening, if you're going to bet on him again in the future, yeah, look at Joe Selecki's finishes. They're all round one. They're all round one. Matter of fact, yeah, he's got a decision win. He's got a few decision wins, but all of his finishes are round one by submission. And guess what happened? He finished him in round two. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, it ended up not being round one. It went round two, but we had the round two prop in play. We'll talk about it. The other props that hit there with the fight not going to decision minus 180. Obviously, round two sub was plus 500 for Selecki. The fight starting round two was minus 25. We like that. A round three submission for Selecki was plus 850. The fight going under two and a half rounds. So a lot of green there. We got off to a good start with this card. A lot of green there. Next fight, this one was a real bummer because I had spoken to Charles Johnson several times throughout the week, even going back a few weeks, trying to get him for an interview. A lot of good reports coming out of camp from him. Some of his handlers, coaches. I had spoken to a plethora of people. All the reports were good. He was a replacement, yes, but this is a guy who's in shape. So I was really behind him. We put 1.7 units behind him at minus 170 to win one, one unit. And then we had him in some parlays, which we'll talk about. Yeah, it didn't work out. And I'll be honest with you, when the fight first starts right away, I'm like, oh, wasn't looking good. I thought Ode was much fresher, much sharper, more active, lower leg kicks. Just look better. So round one to me was clearly Odie Osborne. End of round one, Charles Johnson takes down Odie, I believe, but it's brief. I don't think you can give the round to him for that. It goes to a split, though. <laughs> so there was a moment where I was like, please, please, you know. I thought he lost, though, but I was hoping. So he ends up losing by a split decision. Tough, tough. The replacement fighters sometimes, it's just enough to be you know, not fully synced in. But again, for Charles Johnson, he's in camp all the time. The guy's in shape. So the props of that fight, we didn't do as well. We had three props we were looking at. Fight not going to decision. We're thinking Charles Johnson's going to knock out O'Day. You know, O'Day had a chin issue, recent fights. But no, goes the full distance. That doesn't hit. And then Johnson inside the distance at plus 175. No. Fight going over around and a half at minus 200. A little chalky. That does hit, though. All right, next fight. Jordan Levitt, Victor Martinez. Yeah, so round one submission at plus 400 hits here for Jordan Levitt. He dominates Victor Martinez. It's not even close. That minus 105 looks beautiful. We were very confident in Jordan Levitt in this spot, more so because we were fading Victor Martinez. Didn't see a lot from him in his last fight that we were happy about coming into this bout. Again, minus 105 for Jordan. If you bet that, it's even money. The props we like were the fight not going to decision at minus 185. The fight going under two and a half, minus 150. Those both hit. The submission prop for Jordan Levitt was plus 200. That doesn't happen. He gets a round one TKO. I might have misspoke there for a second. I apologize. That was one of the shocking, those were the most shocking things of the entire night was Jordan Levitt round one TKO. A guy who never gets TKOs cracks Victor and gets a TKO. But the round one finish in general for Jordan was plus 400. That ends up cashing. A round two finish for Jordan plus 750 doesn't cash. The sub prop, no. And the decision prop there for Victor Martinez was plus 350. So, eh, we had a decent read in the fight. We thought Jordan would win. 
I would say that we probably should have played him more aggressively now looking back hindsight's 2020. Problem with Jordan is you get here's the thing with Jordan. He's gonna burn the shit out of you at some point, right? <laughs> he's gonna make some money for you. Like if you bet on him on Saturday, you made some money, right? Even money. But you know Jordan Levitt's, you know, stand-up game is questionable at best at best. Now he gets his knockout. Next fight coming in, his market value is gonna be a little lopsided. So, you know, I'm on the Jordan Levitt fade him train for most of his fights because he's so one-dimensional. Saturday night was just nice. By the way, post-fight for him, he was wearing this crazy-ass red suit with the shoes. It was his, I guess, uncle relative suit who passed away, wanted to honor him. Jordan Levitt, you gotta like the guy. He's just uh, someone to smile at. All right, next fight in the card, Jasmine Jasudavicious versus Gabriela Fernandez. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna sit here and stand on our pedestal for a second. We had Jasmine to win. Now, we weren't super confident, but we liked her to win. Our biggest issue was that Fernandez was not only a replacement fighter, UFC debut as a replacement. She didn't make it through Contender Series. We hadn't seen her fight. Quality competition. All about the lack of competition. So if you did take a piece of the Gabriel Fernandez side at minus 125, minus 150, we understand what you were doing. She looked pretty good on film, but she was fighting girls that were just so much smaller than her, so much less skill. Jasmine, who's she's not the best fighter in the world, has faced good competition. So Jasmine wrestles Gabriel Fernandez for three rounds, gets the win. We were all over this fight in terms of what we expected and how it ended up rolling out because our three props we liked were the over one and a half and minus 400. Well, that was the easy one. That hits. Fight starting round three at minus 290 and fight going to distance at minus 225. Jasmine wins. Clear going away, not even close. For Gabriel Fernandez, it's just a matter of levels. You know, get better at your your grappling, get better at your defense. Stand up when you take it down. <laughs> Don't stay down, right? And for Jasmine, at plus money here, great. I wish we would have got her at the plus money that she closed at because we got her like early at plus 105. She moved to like plus 120, plus 125 at some point. And again, this is a lesson for all of us, us right here too. Very, we got to take a triple double take at replacement fighters, no matter who they are, replacement fighters. And then number two, is this debut skill level where, you know, if there's any questions about the skill level and stuff, maybe just fade it, maybe pass. So Fernandez, welcome to the UFC. Next fight, last fight on the prelim card. Trevor Peak is a Fucking animal. He fought Eric Gonzalez. And you have to watch Trevor Peak fight because he's going to have an interesting career. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to have Ferguson moments like Tony Ferguson. And it's going to be for the better or worse. He's going to get into some scraps. He's going to bleed. He's going to, he's going to maul people. He's going to get mauled. He's going to get exhausted sometimes. (laughs) Go out in his shield. This guy has an interesting story to tell. Awesome accent. Has like this down south really sincere, beautiful accent. And he's a man who's appreciative. You know, he, he thanked Dana. It's like, thank you, Dana. Thanked everyone around him. Real, real, a real appreciative type of person. But he fights like his life depends on it. He throws punches with nasty intentions. This guy must break his hand often because he just throws way too hard. But in the process, he connects a few times. It's trouble. For Gonzalez, he Gonzalez was standing with him. They were going back and forth. There was some nice moments there for both fighters. Just Trevor just didn't stop. <laughs> Trevor didn't stop. If you liked Trevor 
to win the fight into the distance, if that was something you were considering, if you thought he might dominate, knock the guy out. Yeah, that's what happened. A round one KO with just one second to go in the round. Beautiful, right? If you were betting that first round prop, you're like, yes. So fight not going to decision was minus 450. It's highlighted here on our sheet. When we have it highlighted, doesn't mean we're going to play it. I mean, we may have parlayed that somewhere, but minus 450 is chalky. The round one KO prop for peak was only plus 275. Look at that. Market had a clue. Still pays out well if you ended up playing it. Under two and a half rounds was minus 350. Round two KO prop for peak. We thought maybe if he doesn't finish in round one, maybe round two. That was plus 600. We almost got there, right? Maybe the best bet in this fight was peak into the distance at minus 140. It gave you a little bit more return than the minus 190 in the money line. So if you parlayed peak, if you played peak straight up somehow, good return here. Can't wait to see him fight again. Move up to the main card. Mike Mallett versus Johan Lyonese or Leonis, two Canadian guys. Good young talent. Mike Mallott's had his story. We've talked about it before. He comes away with the win. I'll tell you, man, Mike Mallett or Mallott, however you want to pronounce it, this guy's got the look. He's got the look. He reminds me of Clark Kent, you know, Superman. Handsome young man, family man, appreciative. Can this guy go on a run? I mean, we need him to go on a run. He's getting to the point now where he's what? How old is Mallet? 31. It's time for the run, right? So Canadian versus Canadian. Mallet wins the fight by submission. Arm triangle choke in one in round one. Johan tops out. I thought he tapped out. I wouldn't say early, but he tapped out way before he passed, you know, hour fell asleep. For for Mallet, nice win, man. So fight not going to decision minus 250. That works out. Under two and a half rounds, minus 180. Fight into the distance for Mallet at plus 115. Great return there. And Johan by plus 400. Let me just say one more thing about Johan Leonis or Leonis. I think he still has the same potential that we saw when he was on Contender Series. He knocked somebody out with, you know, ferocity. He just needs to find his rhythm. Like this fight, obviously, you know, got surprised, got choked out by a very good fighter. Mallet's a very good fighter, okay? Last fight, played the cautious game, didn't want to gas out, won the fight by decision. He just needs to find his rhythm. At 30 years old, plenty young. We'll see more from him. But this was uh, Mallet's fight. We did like Mallet a lot. If you're looking in the Excel sheet, you can see that we have him marked with a W. It's not just a W. There's a W with an up arrow. Whenever you see the up arrow next to one of our selections, that's a pick that we have a lot of confidence in. So like next fight, for example, Tatiana Suarez, same little marker there. That was a no-brainer, though. Everyone was on Suarez. The money, I mean, the, the, the spot here, and people were kind of hesitant about this. The spot to hammer was the into the distance prop for Tatiana Suarez, which was plus 130. It moved to maybe plus 120 pre-fight, like an hour before the fight. I played it, didn't play it enough, and I got a little scared at some point. I'm like, why are more people not playing this prop? It's, it's right there. It's Tatiana Suarez. It's at the distance. The one thing I didn't really put enough stock into was that Suarez would need round one to get acclimated. Okay, that's that was the one thing. And I, I thought in my mind, I know Suarez, you know, she's going to come out here. So we had a play on like the round one prop for Suarez to win by round one KO. We thought maybe she comes out, just cuts up De La Rosa. No, nah, she came out. De La Rosa did a good job defending some grappling. It was a you know fairly close first round. I think Suarez still won it. And then round two, the action gets going. Second bad read we had here was we like Suarez to get an elbow, cut up De La Rosa, pound her on the ground. Ferocity, you know, angry, angry fighting. 
No, ends up being a submission. How do we not see that? <laughs> so here we are. Suarez, the fight not going to decision was plus 100. Good value there. Under two and a half, plus 120. The round one KO prop and round two KO props for Suarez both failed. There was nice money there, plus 950 and plus 1400. Again, we kind of overlooked the submission ability. We had some long shot props playing on Montana. Submission by plus 1600, decision by plus 900. And then, of course, the big one, the into the distance prop for Suarez at plus 130. That was the play. Moving up the card, next fight, which would end up becoming the co-main event. It's about this time that we hear that Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann is off the card. It's been canceled. It's the funniest shit. Okay, check this out. A card that's already just kind of barely hanging on, you know? you got a few names in the card you recognize. It's UFC Vegas 70. It's the last of the bad cards before it gets going in March, right? And then we're two or three fights away from the main event. And I thought I'm like watching a replay or something. And the, the reporter comes out. Or, I don't know who it was who broke the news on the on the broadcast. Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann is off. Krylov arrived to the arena sick. Uh, it was a food poisoning thing or something. And, and now it'll be Muniz versus Brandon Allen. And I just, I didn't laugh out loud. In my mind, I'm laughing like, man, you know, the UFC, I, I love the UFC. We all love the UFC. But how ghetto is this shit? Like, how ghetto is it that, I mean, yeah. Now, for Nikita, Nikita Krylov, I'm not blaming him. Suppose it was a food poisoning thing. Ryan Spann was dejected in the post-press post uh, presser. They still had him talk. Not happy. He dropped a few F-bombs. He wasn't making any claims toward Krylov. He just was unhappy. You do a whole camp. You get ready. You're moments away from the fight. You're feeling good, and then, Rug gets pulled out. Now, so I think Ryan Spann probably gets a few dollars, show money, but doesn't get the full amount. And uh, so that announcement comes through as we're going through this very okay main card as it is. Um, and that's the, that's the funniest shit ever. I mean, imagine major organization, top promotion, the main event is being called off uh, like within an hour of the main event. Wild, right? Just wild. So anyway, stay tuned. We'll see them fight again, I guess, in the near future. We'll have another UFC Vegas Span versus um, Krylov. Excuse me one second. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Oof, another one. <coughs> All right, I'm back. So this card ends up becoming UFC Vegas 70, Mooney's versus Brandon Allen, which we'll get to in a moment. Moving up the card, we have Augusta Sakai, heavyweight bout, versus Dontel Mays. What were we thinking? My buddy, Blood Money MMA, Cody, he did a nice breakdown, talked about how Augusta Sakai has fought the better competition. The play was Augusta Sakai by decision. That's what happened. We only got two picks wrong on this entire card. A shorter card, yes, but it was Charles Johnson and Dontel Mays. And how do we miss this? Because Dontel Mays, he no good. He no good. She's no good. Sakai, excuse me, not that great either, but fought better competition. Sakai wins the fight. Ugly, boring decision. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how we ended up on on Maze. Bad move. So the props in this fight that we were considering or looking at were by going to decision at plus 150, over one and a half, minus 190. Decision win for Sakai was plus 275. How about them apples? 
into the distance for Mays was plus 180. Decision win for Mays, plus 550, which we did play. And then split decision props were like plus 1,100, plus 2,000. And we did decision. That's what we thought it would do. But yeah, Mays, man, not good. That guy is going to be in the UFC just a little bit longer. I'm going to put that out there. So for us, not a great read. We didn't lose a lot of money in this fight, but we definitely didn't gain a lot of traction. <laughs> Excuse me. And then now we're up to what ends up becoming the main event. When the broadcast announces that this will be the main event, I thought to myself, they're not going to make these guys fight five rounds, are they? <laughs> when UFC is like, whatever. They're just employees. Push them around. What are we going to do? We liked Brandon Allen pre-fight. The line was off. At plus 175, I felt like they were just disrespecting Allen for some reason. Didn't get it. When he's a good fighter, very one-dimensional, has to grapple, and by doing that, engages in the grappling scenario, puts himself in danger as well. He did that against Brandon Allen. Allen made him pay. Full disclosure, <clears throat> I missed this fight. <laughs> yeah. Round three submission win for Allen. I missed it because around a Sakai fight, I fell the fuck asleep. I did. I did. I mean, heavyweights, wrestling. Round one is round two. Round three is round one. It's all just one pile of body weight. I was watching my daughter, and I said to her, <clears throat> look at the belly area on Sakai. <laughs> I'm not fat shaming anyone. It just has a lot of a lot of body there. Yeah, I fell asleep during that fight. And I fell asleep as in, like, I was in my office watching, had my daughter hanging out with me. I said, I'm going to go lay down for a little bit, honey. <laughs> I'm waking up and I'm hearing Brandon Allen one, and I'm like, wow, that's great because we like Brandon Allen. Had to go back and watch the replay. Round three submission win over Mooney's. Good win for Allen. Only 27 years old. You know, the guy's uh he's a Louisiana guy, by the way. He's close with um <clears throat> Dustin Poirier, gave him a shout out. These Louisiana boys, you know. The props we liked in this fight was minus two fifty for the fight, not going to decision. Over one and a half rounds at minus one fifty. Into the distance for Allen, plus four hundred. Fight starting round two, minus 225. We had a good read in this fight. Submission prop for Muniz was only plus 120. The only path to victory, right? And uh, besides the decision, of course. But And then Allen by decision was plus 400. So we had a a good read in that fight. Now, if you scroll down to the bottom of our Excel sheet, we don't put this on the one that's online. It's like our own little tracking for our purposes. On the bottom left, you see the eight and two. That means we went eight picks correct and two incorrect. The two that we have incorrect were Charles Johnson at minus 170. We paid. We'll talk about that in a second. And then, of course, Mays. Everything else was correct. With Jasmine, Jasmine Divisions, that's a dog that we picked to win, along with Allen. Mays was a slight dog, too, but yeah. Fukaka. For our props, we had approximately 20 and 30, about 50 total props that we had outlined as possible props to play or props that we did play. Of the 50, we went 31 or 19. I'm thinking anytime you're around a 500 or better, in the prop category, by the way we play our props, we're in good, we're in good hands. And that helped us this fight. So let me pull up the tip sheet, right? Let's review the tip sheet real quickly. I don't want to take too much longer with this because... Uh, you can do this all night long. Now for the tip sheet. I'm reviewing the tip sheet that's available for you guys on our Substack newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, please do so. It's great content. Comes out two, three times a week. Full written up breakdown. 
full tip sheet for every event that we go over. So this week coming up, 285, that tip sheet, the full write-up, write -up, that'll be available by, like, let's say Tuesday. Anyway, so our tip sheet for this event, let me scroll down. And again, this is available for you guys. It's available via our uh, newsletter and also available via our Google Drive. So if you go down below, there's a link for our Google Drive. Click that link. There's a handful of folders in there. Look for the folder for the event that you're looking for. If you don't see your folder right away, click the archive folder. And there you'll see the UFC Vegas 70 folder. Open it up. You'll see the Excel sheet we just went through. You'll see the tip sheet we're talking about right now in a Word format and the fighter breakdown notes in Word format. You can download all that. That's all available for you guys, 100% for free. So our tip sheet, it's broken up into sections. The first section is the money line wagers, the individual bets. We had Brandon Allen at plus 175, a quarter unit to win 0.44 units, that cash. Jordan Levin at minus 105 for a half unit to win 0.48 units, that also won. Jasmine Jasson-Vicious at plus 105 for a half unit to win 0.53 units, that won as well. Charles Johnson, man, whew, that was tough. 1.7 units on Charles Johnson at minus 170. <clears throat> Losing one unit there. And then Nurillo, Nurillo Aliyev at minus 180 for one unit to win 0.56 units. So for our individual bets, because of the gut punch from Charles Johnson, we only finished 0.31 units ahead. That kind of sucks, right? Four, four of our five individual bets hit. And yet, uh, because of the loss, the 1.7 unit loss on Charles Johnson, we end up only walking away with plus three, plus 0.31 units for our individual bets. Moving on down, our prop bets for our. You know, what, let me blow this up so you guys can see this better. Maybe it's that'll be better for you guys, right? Okay, here we go. So for prop bets, Dontel Mays by decision at plus 550, lost 0.15 units. Look at the units here. When we do our prop bets, maybe this is not your style, and I get it. But one way for you to get some action on almost all the fights and have it be limited action where it's like, oh, it's 15 bucks, 20 bucks. That's $15 to win 83 bucks, whatever. We lost. We move on to fight another day. So when you look to our prop bets, we don't invest heavily on the front side. It's small amounts to make good return. Let's see how we did here. So Maze by decision. Lost that one. Split decision for Maze, also no good. Same thing for Sakai. Those splits didn't hit. Tatiana Suarez by round one KO plus 950. Nope. Suarez by round two KO. Nope. <laughs> Suarez into the distance. Now, here's one where we played a little bit more, right? We put 0.75 units on this to win 0.98. My only regret being we should have, that should have been a 1.75 units. That should have been 2.75 units because that was the play at plus 130, but we get a little win there. Montana de la Rosa by submission at plus 1500. No. Rosa by decision. No. Peak by round two KO at plus 600. We were so close, right? One second difference because he ended up getting round one KO. Love it by submission round two. And then Selecki by a round two submission at plus 500 actually hits for us. So we get 0.75 units from Selecki. And then we get 0.98 units from Suarez. And when you add it all up, we put in a total of 1.77 units into our props for a return potentially of 9.94. That would have been an ideal scenario for us. We ended up walking away with 0.86 units. So we don't come away with any big winnings, but a lot of action. And we end up getting plus money in that section. So plus 0.86 units. Now our parlays. Here we go. Charles Johnson really, really beat us up. <laughs> he really hurt us because we had the individual play on him. And then here we have a, a, a parlay where Selecki ends up cashing, peak cashes. Johnson doesn't. Half unit gets lost. Next one, Mallet to win. Smart Suarez inside the distance at plus 237 odds. Nice. We got that one to win 1.19 units. If you see a name crossed out like this, 
that just means that fight was canceled. And it was. Carl Oliver's span fight not to start round th- four. That was canceled. So we had Muniz versus Allen. The fight, no distance at minus 250. Peak versus Gonzalez, no distance at minus 400. That equaled one minus 133 odds. We won 0.56 units. And yes, those odds are adjusted to reflect the span fight not happening. <clears throat> Fernandez versus Jasmine. Over one and a half rounds at minus 400. That cashes Aliyev to win at minus 180. And again, Callum versus Perez. That fight was canceled. These bets were set before those fights were canceled. So that's why we didn't remove them from the tip sheet. That was minus 106 odds. We won 0.71 units. Next one was Mays at plus 110. Jasmine plus 105. Jasmine got it done, but not Mays. <laughs> Lost a quarter unit there. Selecki to win. Aliyev to win. That was minus 117. We had Jose. First arm field, the fight going over round and a half. That fight got canceled, removed. So we have minus 117 odds there to win 0.43 units. Johnson to win, Levitt to win. Levitt got it done. Johnson did it. Johnson pays or cost us again there of the half unit. Next fight, Peak versus Gonzalez. No distance at minus 450. Fernandez versus Jasmine. Fight going over round and a half at minus 400. That gave us minus 189 odds. We were supposed to have one more leg there, but again, the spam fight got canceled. One unit bet to win 0.53 units. Got my dog over here licking himself. You know that that sound of your dog just licking and licking. I'm like, stop it. Stop licking yourself. <laughs> okay, what's the total damage there? So our parlays, we ended up walking away with plus 2.17 units. We had 4.75 units on the line to win 7.07. I'll tell you what, had Johnson gotten it done, look at that. He cost us one parlay. Johnson, Johnson, and cost us another parlay. So in that section there, Johnson cost us two more, two more bets. Rough night. Our parlay pieces, what does this mean? We put two to three parlay pieces in each of our tip sheets. These are parlays we feel like you could put them with PFL, Bellator, whatever you were looking to parlay this weekend, looking for some nuggets to parlay with a lot of confidence. Yes, chalky spots, but spots that were like, okay, parlay with a few things with confidence. Jasmine versus Fernandez over round and a half at minus 400. That ended up cashing. Peak versus Gonzalez to fight no distance at minus 450. That cashed. Our third prop... Or, I mean, our third parlay, which we advised, was the Karloff versus Span fight not to start round four at minus 300. If you looked at that prop close to fight time, that was like minus 500 or minus 600. It had exploded. So that prop, if you got early in the week at minus 300 and you parlayed it, if the fight had gone on, that would be good value. But no, it doesn't happen. So we had to cancel that parlay piece. But the other two ended up being good, good spots. All right, our specials. What are our specials? Our specials is what we create each week, some nice little terminology, coin terms, some parlays we put together, just have a little fun. And usually the odds are good, like high odds. <laughs> so the Dr. J special was Jason Vicious, Charles Johnson, and Jordan to win. Jordan got it done. Jason Vicious got it done. And Charles Johnson at minus 170, the biggest favorite of all three legs, loses. <laughs> that was a quarter unit to win 1.34 units at plus 536 odds. The Dr. J special fails. Man's best friend. This was supposed to be Jose Johnson, the first fight in the card at plus 130 versus with Allen at plus 175. Man's best friend being underdogs, dogs. That gave us like plus, I don't know. It was good money. But we ended up having just the Allen piece with 0.2 units at plus 175 odds. That cashes for a nice little 0.35 unit return. Viva Brazil. A Viva Brazil parlay, of course, had the Brazilians. Alves, Fernandez, Sakai, Muniz. And they did rough, right? Because only Sakai wins. Yes, Sakai has a Japanese name, but he is from Brazil. That was a interesting little parlay. Ends up not hitting. Now, if you just take out Alves, you keep Fernandez, Sakai, Muniz. That gave us plus 374 odds. 
But again, didn't cash. South of the border. South of the border, the next parlay. I like this one. This is like anything south of the border. So you're talking about, you know, Mexico, Latin America, Ecuador, Brazil. This was going to be Perez. That's like I dropped. Alves, Martinez, Fernandez, Gonzalez, Suarez, Muniz. A lot of Z's, <laughs> right? That gave you plus 7535 odds. Didn't cash, of course. And even going down to taking out Perez and Gonzalez and Perez, Martinez, Alves, and Gonzalez, none of it cash. South of the border went south. America the beautiful. America the beautiful. This parlay was Span, Mays, Suarez. It's in the distance. Peak, Levitt, Charles Johnson, Selecki. And Mays let us down. And Johnson let us down, of course. We parlayed Suarez. Man, we were that confident. Hurts at the distance, and it did end up happening. So, unfortunately, if you go down through the steps of our America, the beautiful, par- beautiful parlay, we took away Selecki and Mays and Span and Mays and Levin, Charles Johnson. <laughs> Charles Johnson, I love you, dude. Oh, yeah, he crushed this one. So, for our specials, we had 1.60 units or $160 on the line. To win a whopping 25.42, we walk away with negative 1.05 units on our specials. We play a unit to, unit to two units each week on our specials. They're more to have fun. Clearly, when you're playing a, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, t- ten leg parlays are not advised. <laughs> it's, you know, it's high risk, but it's 10 bucks, $10 to win what? Almost what, 650 bucks? You know, that's 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 what I'm talking about. And here's the final total, guys. Surprisingly enough, after all the ups and downs of UFC Vegas 70, and so close to like a huge night, we walk away with plus 2.29 units, another winning weekend, another UFC card in the books, positive ROI. This marks three weekends in a row, positive return on UFC events, looking to go to a fourth weekend in a row, of course, coming up at UFC 285, but... There it is. We had 12.17 units on the line to win 45.44. We ended up walking away with plus 2.29. And I would say, considering the climate of that card, the cancellations, and all that we experienced, we'll take it. We'll take it. Now, what I just went over with you, that tip sheet, that's updated. So if you're subscribed to our newsletter, you can go there and see what were the results. We don't change the bets. Like, no. You see the bets ahead of time. They're published. You can download it. I mean, check if you want to if you want to um, audit us and like copy and paste what we had Monday and Tuesday and cross check it on you know Saturday Sunday when the results are up. Do it. We we live and die by the results. Now we do have third party tracking as well. We've just created an account recently, but besides that, this is even more than that. This is actually in depth tracking of what we're doing. No hiding from the results. <laughs> that was UFC Vegas seventy. And again, the funniest thing from the sports weekend for me was the main card being called off while the main card, I mean, the main event being called off during the main card, you know, festivities. Wild. Let's shift gears real quickly. Let's talk about Bellator 291. Just like the Excel sheet we were just showing you before for the UFC card, this is also available on our Google Drive. It's right there in the Bellator 291 folder. You, You can access the tip sheet, full fight breakdown notes, and the Excel sheet I'm looking at now. The most valuable thing in the Excel sheet we're looking at right now is this damn column, these columns on the right. See this right area right here? Those are links for fighter films. So for for example, main card event, Amazon or Story, there's eight links there, eight total fights. You can watch fights of them before, less time looking up film. Yeah, save you some time. 
let's go through it pretty quickly here. So for the prelim card, I'm not going to go through all of it. We didn't even do a full card breakdown of this of this event. We did like a real preview of the main. You know what? Fuck it. I'll read through the, the results. But we did a preview of the of the prelim card. Like just ran through it and said, "Oh, we think this guy's going to win. That guy's going to win. Whatever." But no real in depth work, except for the Stephen Hill versus Joel Kayudaja fight. That was the one fight in the prelim card that we did look into. You had Hill at minus four hundred. He caught our attention because he was six and zero. Oh. Versus seven nine fighter, we're like, well, this seems like a slam dunk. Give me looking for some parlay pieces from the Bellator card. So Stephen Hill does win by a rear naked choke in round two. Very dominant performance. The fight not going to decision that cashes. The fight into the distance prop for Stephen Hill cashes under two and a half. Also cashes. Now we didn't play those props because they weren't available to us. We did mark them on our Excel sheet as props to look at. They were also in our our written breakdown. So Stephen Hill wins on the prelim card. Let's go over the other prelim card results real quickly for you. I'm going to read them off for you. So Dmitry uh, Hersenko, the Ukrainian young young Ukrainian fighter, only 7-0 came, came in against Daniel Skatizi. I thought Skatizi was going to win because he's just older, more veteran savvy, young, very young, thin uh, kid from Ukraine. Fought really well. Won the fight by decision. Good for him. Next fight, Kenny. Last name's going to kill me. Mocha Nahana <laughs> from Ireland. Crushing defeat. I'm um, crushing win. I mean, in round one. By ground and pound, knocks the hell out of Craig McIntosh. And had no chance. Kenny was like a minus 1,000 favorite. Jenna Bishop. We talked to Jenna, hoping to have her on the show soon. She was like a minus 300 favorite or something like that. She won by a decision over Alina. Nice win for the American fighter. She has a ton of um, grappling experience. She's now making her way to mixed martial arts. Kassan Magomed Sharapov, the Russian, wins by round one. Ground and pound over Rafael Hudson. We had to play on Hudson. We did. We thought maybe, you know, it was Hudson. Big underdog, and he's, um, you know, Brazilian guy, but he got got manhandled. <laughs> Next fight, um, Asili Adaja, the guy from France versus Liam McCracken. We were wrong on this one. We liked McCracken. He was undefeated. People mentioned this. Ozzy Al-Kid was pretty good from France, and he looked good enough. He got a decision win. Next fight, Dara Kelly versus Norval Jordan. One-way traffic, ground and pound win for Dara Kelly. He was a big-time favorite here. He moves to 3-0. And for Darvel Jordan, he falls to 2-3. He really was brought there for one reason, right, to lose the fight. Richie Smullen versus Piotr Nizelski. We liked Richie Mullen in our pre-fight analysis. It was very just overview. Um, looked good. He won by split decision. He was an underdog. Nice spot there. Brian Moore wins by split decision as well. So back-to-back split. Moore wins by split over Luca. Didn't watch the fight, but I thought that fight would be close. It's going to be close, and it was, but Brian Moore wins. And Moore was a pretty considerable favorite, but I thought it was going to be close. Next fight, Norbert Novinje Jr. versus Andy Manzalo. We liked Norbert. We liked him pre-fight. He was a pretty sizable favorite. He wins by an overhand right knockout round one. He got her done. Oleg Popov wins by a decision over Gokum. Gokum? I want to call him like Goki. <laughs> Gokum uh, Sarakam. Man, I'll tell you what. If the fight went to round four, Oleg was in trouble. He was exhausted in round number three, but he had one round one and two. You know, he got those rounds, and so that was key enough for him to win the fight. He wins by decision. Needs to fix his cardio, though. Next fight was Mike Shipman. We picked him to win over Charlie Ward. He got it done by decision. Ward just looks slow and old at times, right? Carl Moore wins by decision over Magic Rosansky. Moore was a favorite. He got it done. Siren Clark over Leonardo's Sinus. Now, Siren Clark, Siren Clark. Clark looked eh in his last showing. Not this showing. His last show was eh. People kind of like faded him a little bit. Not faded him here. They were like, I don't know if I could pull the trigger at minus 365, minus 400, because, you know, you know, just whatever. He ended up just wiping the canvas with Sinis for three full rounds. Sinis had a terrible weight cut, looked off on the scales, missed weight. 
Just wasn't good. It wasn't good. He had it on his back for all three rounds. No good. Next fight, Sinead Kavanaugh versus Janae Harding. Hold the press. Hold the motherfucking press on this one. I am going to remember this fight for a while. Not because of the fight itself, but because of our analysis of the fight and how off base we were and how wrong we were. You know, sometimes we want to sit here and say, oh, we, we got this right. We got, you know, UFC events, right? We're three weeks in a row. UFC events, we're on fire. We're winning. Let's talk about when we're, when we're wrong. <laughs> Let's just talk about when we're wrong. Let's own that because sometimes people try to avoid that shit. I'm going to dive into how wrong we were. We did an individual we did individual breakdowns, of course, for every fight in this card. We did a write-up in this card, whatever else. That's all there. But I went live like on Friday, I think it was. Friday morning, I went live for like a 20-minute video to talk about how confident I was in Jenny Harding, how sure I was <laughs> that she would win. And the money was coming in on Janae. The market moved. Janae opened at plus 210. By the time the fight kicked off, she was like maybe plus 160, plus 150, right? That was a good sign, I thought. I don't, you know, money's coming on the, on the right side. They fought five years ago. Janae now is 28, Kavanaugh 37. And I thought we we're going to see a similar fight where Janae would use some elbows, whatever. Instead, we get a really close fight, man. It's close. I still think possibly Janae could have won this fight, maybe. But you can't fight close fights against a veteran like Sinead Kavanaugh in Ireland and expect to walk away with a win. So I'm okay with the decision. I am just so flabbergasted that Sinead does not land a single elbow at any point. And for Sinead, she fought a good game plan. She was smart. She didn't come flying with her head. She was in better shape. Had the knee injuries last year. Remember, I don't know if you remember, like Conor McGregor was carrying her out of the octagon last year after one of her fights and tore her ACL or something like that. Good for Kavanaugh. 37-year-old Kavanaugh. Big win. For Janae, I my hands are in the air. I, I I'm not mad at what she did. I she moved from Thailand. She's now at City Kickboxing. It's you know, this may be the best girl in all of mixed martial arts who's got the worst record, <laughs> six and seven. But drop the ball, man. Just drop the ball, and we were dead wrong here. We liked Janae Harding. We were confident she would win. We weren't like super confident, but we liked her to win, and she lost. <laughs> at plus 210, she lost. And we lost money on it. We went negative on the Bellator card, and in part because we had this wrong read here. So, Janae loses by decision. The props I liked in this fight was the over one and a half. That ended up happening. The fight, you said the distance for Janae Harding, maybe like another elbow. No. And no distance prop. That ends up also being incorrect. So, just a bad read in this fight. Bad, bad read. And for Janae Harding, I'm not going to blame Wims MMA. I'm not going to do that. Oh, Wims MMA, blah, 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 blah. Nope, not doing that. Taking this one on the chin. It was completely our fault. Bad read. Okay, let's move over the card. Peter Queeley versus Bryce Logan. Also a pretty piss poor read because Bryce Logan ends up finishing Peter Queeley. Now, I could say, oh, Peter was winning before that happened and he was ahead in the fight. All true facts. But shit, Peter Queeley, you know, he's got durability issues a little bit. Like, he hasn't been knocked out a lot in his career, but he has been knocked out by Perry, right? Peter was on his way to winning. Things were going well. And he gets hit with an elbow and... We, wheels fall off. We're done. So at minus 155, we, we liked Quilly there. We did. We played him in some spots. We had some bets on him and just, yeah, trash bag. Complete trash. And for Quilly, by the way, I do want to say this. He has the best walkout crowd response. They just, they, they, I forgot the song, but um, they get going, man. The fans get going and they love his, uh, 
his walkout music, his intro. They start singing it. They're into it. Anyway, bad read there. Jeremy Kennedy versus Pedro Carvalho. We put 1.7 units on Jeremy Kennedy to win at negative at minus 170. We were that confident in him, and he looked that good. Interesting that I did hear some people out there saying that they like Carvalho in this fight, and that got me worried because whenever I'm hearing other cappers say, "Ah, oh, you know, you got Carvalho. You know, he's pretty good. He's a veteran." So come in the fight, man. He's from Ireland. No, 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 no. The American wrestling of Jeremy Kennedy, legit. He ran through, moved to 19 and 3. Fight went to the distance. Jeremy by decision, over one and a half. All those props end up hitting. And we bet on Jeremy straight up. We'll go over the tip sheet here in a second for Bellator 291. Last fight, Yaroslav Amazov versus Logan Storley. Well, you know, number one, what was I doing going against the Ukrainian guy who is trying to defend his country? <laughs> what was I doing? Just from a a, a a moral standpoint, right? Just for a good karma standpoint, I should have gone on Amazov. And by the way, if you played the Ukrainian parlay, which would have been Amazov and the young man in the pre in the prelim card, uh, Dmitry, I forgot his name, the young Ukrainian kid second fight. If you play those two, that ends up cashing. At minus one seventy five, Amazov looked good. He looked good. He was just more athletic. I think Logan Story has a limit. You know what I mean? I don't think Logan Story is going to be able to. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a great point. Tommy Unders. I forgot that Jeremy Kennedy is from Canada. Did I just say American wrestler? Oh, yeah, he's from America, North America. <laughs> yeah, man, he looked great. Good for Jeremy Kennedy. That's a guy who, if you don't know, look at his tapology. He went like three and one of the UFC. You know, not all people who leave the UFC leave because they can't hack it. This guy can hack it. He's fought the PFL. 1983 record. Get him, Jeremy. Oh, shit, Tommy. He's from your area. Well, there you go. Tommy writes in here that uh, Jeremy Kennedy is from his area, man. That's cool, dude. I, I like the guy. Let's talk tip sheet because we got behind him, Tommy. We got behind him, Tommy. We had $170 on him straight up at that minus 170 price tag. We usually don't go that big, that rich on one individual bet, but you know what? He was worth it. He ends up cashing, not like Charles Johnson. <laughs> so for our tip sheet, as we talked about before, it's broken up into sections because we didn't play any props for this Car for Bellator 291. We don't have a prop section here. Mainline spots. Logan Story at plus 140 for 0.75 units. Loss. Jeremy Kennedy minus 170. 1.7 units to win one unit. Win. Quilly for one unit. Wow. We were in for one unit on Quilly at minus 55. <sighs> Crushing blow. Crushing blow. Janae Harding for only a quarter unit, but at plus 210, we were like, yeah, good money, right? And then Hafield Hudson at plus 650 for 0.15 units to win 0.98. Yeah, so our individual money line bets for Bellator 291 did not go really well. We finished off with negative 1.15 units. We just needed to bet more on Jeremy, right? <laughs> that would have gotten it done. For our parlays, we win the Hill-Clark-Kennedy parlay at plus 153, 153 odds. We win 1.15 units on that. The Harding and Clark Harding and Clark parlay fails because of Harding. Quilly and Hill, uh, Quilly cost us there. Quilly and Harding, they both ended up losing <laughs> Storley and Kennedy, another loss. So, yeah, in our parlay, we started off nice with the first one that won to win 1.15 units, but we end up finishing with negative 0.7 units. By the way, I'm not sure that's correct. I got to recalculate that because I'm looking at this. I don't know if that's correct. That needs to be recalculated. But the point is for our parlays, we did finish negative there. And I think it's more than that. That's, I think that number is off. I got to recalculate that. For the parlay pieces on this car, the ones you could just use for maybe parlay with, with Bellator, I'm sorry, with, with UFC or PFL or whatever. 
the Jake Paul fight. Steve Hill to win minus 400. That was correct. Siren Clark to win minus 365. That was correct. And the Jeremy Kennedy to win minus 170. Those all hit. Those were solid. Those are solid, right? Our specials. Here they go. We had some good specials here. The Irishman, right? You know, you get it. The Irishman, they were in Ireland, all Irish guys. B more to win. Great. Siren Clark to win. Sweet. Quilly was winning. He was on the way to winning. No. We lost. Euro trip. Skatizi to win. No. Hill and Novinu do win, but not Skatizi. So we lost 0.75 units. And then ladies first. Damn you, Harding. <laughs> so Harding loses and Bishop wins. Close knees, like, I mean, we were one off there by Quilly, one off there with Skatizi, and then one off there with Harding. It was just that kind of card for us. We only had 1.6 units there on the line for our uh, our specials. We live, we finished with minus 1.6 units. Final result, final damage, negative 3.45. And I'm going to tell you, that number is off because when I look over here at these parlays again, I'm pretty sure looking at these calculate, like that's 1.6. Let's say 1.75. Oh, no. Okay, no, that is correct. That is correct. Okay. So yes, the, the final total is negative 3.45 units or minus almost $350. Terrible showing there in Bellator. No excuses. We wanted to get in some action for Bellator. Didn't do well. If you trailed us, yeah, there's no excuses there. We just did poorly, and we got a little too high on Harding. <laughs> That's for sure. A little too high on Harding. So for Bellator 291, big takeaways are... Um, Young prospects won across the board. A lot of Irish kids did win, did well, right? Uh, Jenna, the female fighter, she won. In the main event, you know, Yaroslav Amazov holds on to his belt with a rematch against Storley to win it. Does he go back to Ukraine now and keep fighting the war? What does he do? Um, I do want to note, though, he was in America for a while. And it was being pointed out by Logan Storley. He was kind of like doing the whole thing of like, listen, you guys keep talking about he's fighting the war. He's been in Florida at ATT or whatever for like the last few months and it's true <laughs> it's true it wasn't as if amazov was like fighting the front lines of ukraine he's like oh here's my gun i'll be back i have to go fight i'll be back like no he he he's been in florida <laughs> he's been in florida for a while as he should have been you know but he was back in ukraine at some point he was fighting over there will he go back i don't know we'll see so yeah bellator 21 whooped our ass let's jump into pfl number five that happened on friday night oh my goodness pfl I've had it up to here with the damn PFL and their antics. They went, they they did some shit last week. We talked about it last week. I'm gonna get all into it again, but they did some shit with moving around the card and they were aware of it like two weeks ahead of time. They didn't tell anyone until like a few days ahead of time, and it just it all came out weird. And PFL is ghetto. I'm, just, I'm gonna say, PFL is ghetto. I'm just gonna say it. They had they they do think may they may not be ghetto, but they do some ghetto shit. I mean, I'll remind you, they didn't tell anyone that two fights in the card were changed until like Wednesday last week, about 48 hours before the event. They tell That's what they tell the public. You go to their Twitter handle. It's like Monday, Tuesday last week. They have the same fight card that they're supposed to have, like same four fighters, same four fights, right? Nothing new, nothing changed as of Monday, Tuesday of last week. Meanwhile, they had known for almost two weeks before that that those fights were not happening. Two of those fights were not happening. And they knew because those fights were already booked. They already had booked those fighters for other events. Like, what, what are you doing, PFL? Why? Why not tell the public what's going on? Why not let us know these fights are canceled? Anyway, 
I'm going to save us a lot more time on the PFL breakdowns moving forward. We're going to do them like on Thursdays or Wednesdays or something. We're going to do them right before the fights because this shit of them changing things around, it's happening every single card. Super professional. And quite frankly, it got me up in a tizzy. Let's talk about the card. First fight the card, Helen Peralta at minus 540 drops the ball against Lisa Malden. Looked terrible. We had Peralta in a parlay. Why? 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 Those who bet Lisa Malden, good on you. You know better. PFL, you combine PFL, low level, and female mixed martial arts, you're getting big underdog wins, right? That's going to happen. We should have been on it. Helen Peralta, this is the very last time that we're going to back her. We've backed her in the past. We've seen her fight Invicta. It is officially over. We will not be backing her anymore. She completely dropped the ball here. Could not get up off the ground. Could not defend takedowns. Had the nerve to actually try to fight for a while for back. From Alden, good for her. Mullen got the only finish of the night. Mullen got the only finish of the night and got the win. It's a big underdog. Good for her. Next fight, we are looking at Desiree Yanez versus Myra Mazar. Yanez ends up winning the fight and getting the contract. I don't understand the parameters again. She won the fight, yes. But the first fight of the night was a plus 420 underdog in Lisa Malden, who won and also got the only finish of the night. That should be the contract winner. Period. What, what are we doing here, PFL? What are we doing? Anyway, Yanez wins. Looked pretty good. Was fairly dominant. We had a small play on Myra Mazar because we just figured, listen, a lot of replacements been winning this year in PFL Challenger Series. Giannis has been a little questionable. Whatever. We were wrong on that, though. Giannis gets the win there. Looked pretty good. Now is where shit gets really interesting. If you don't know, Shady Young got cut by the UFC last year. She's now in this PFL Challenger Series trying to get herself a contract with the PFL. Most people know who she is. The Shanimal, right? Shannon Young. She was like one in three in the UFC, but she lost to all pretty good fighters. I had her pegged as the one or two people that could win the contract because of UFC pedigree. PFL loves them. Some PF, you know, former UFC degenerates. Here we go, right? <clears throat> Shannon Young wins the fight. Pretty dominant wrestling match, round two, round three, especially. Takes down Lovato. Lovato missed weight pre fight. So Shannon Young wins the fight by decision. I thought to myself after the fight, I thought, okay. I put her ahead of Desiree now because of the background, the marketing, whatever else. But Malden ahead of her because of the finish. Move on to the last fight. Caitlin Neal. Oh, my goodness, Caitlin Neal. How, how did I forget how not good she is? Because as cute as she is and as marketable as she is, Ultimate Fighter last year, the whole night, she's not good. She's not good. Like, striking, not good. Speed, no. Uh, power, nil. Just Captain Average. And, and and at minus 380, no, she didn't look minus 380. Catherine Corey Jeans actually had a few moments. Caitlin Neal got cut. Um, she won. She won by decision. And I thought, you know what? They'll give her the contract. It's Caitlin Neal. Been marketing her all week. If you're just talking just strictly looks, she's got the look. She's got the look. And ends up being, they go to the final four. You know, they bring the final four out, the four winners, which would be Caitlin Neal, Shani Young, Yanez, and Malden. And the four come out, I'm like, well, we know it's going to be Caitlin Neal for sure, right? It's Caitlin Neal. They said the first two, they, they said the two fighters that stand to move on out, to stand out for the finals are going to be Yanez and Malden. And I was like, <laughs> again, I'm like, PFL, what are you doing? <laughs> why, 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 why? You, you, 
you you have to take Shinny Young or Neil. I thought you got to take one of those two girls. You got to right here. You have a chance. You could do it. Neither Shinny Young nor Neil even made the final two. So they leave the cage. Now we've got Yanez and Malden. I'm like, well, pfft. they're going to give it to Malden. Celebrity vote comes in. The celebrities were there on the panel with Sam Darnold and I don't know whoever else they had. Mia Anderson, whatever. They voted for Desiree Yanez. And I'm like, I, what? What? Why are you giving the vote to someone who didn't get the finish? What are we looking at? And the fan vote comes in. The fan vote's also for Desiree. That's it. If you get two categories, you get it. You win. So Lisa Malden gets the only finish of the night and does not get a contract. Yeah, Fukaka. I'm I'm not liking this contender series format. As much as you can complain about Dana White contender series and what they do, um, at the very least, you know Dana. You know Dana has his moments, but like Dana wouldn't take Yanez, for example, right here over Malden. No, maybe he takes both of them, but he's not going to take the girl who got a decision win over someone who got an actual finish. Doesn't work like this. Not real world shit. All right. Off my tantrum. <laughs> so let me. Oh, good segue. Okay. So for UFC Vegas 70, you're looking at a image here on Twitter. My buddy, Blood Money MMA. You can see his handle up in here. Blood Money MMA bets. Great dude. His name is Cody. Look at his bets for UFC Vegas 70. My man went plus 965 bucks, almost a grand. He went 4 0. His bets were Augusto Sakai, Muniz over round and a half. He had Carpenter and Peak. Carpenter from a prior card parlay with Peak for plus 315. Selecki and Mallet over, I'm sorry, under a round and a half. Nice, clean, nice, clean bets. My man, Blood Money MMA. Tail this guy at Blood Money MMA Bets on Twitter. He tweets out. All this stuff. All his nice YouTube channel. Subscribe to his content. Good dude. Yeah, Cody at Blood Money Bets. Fire, man. Undefeated 4-0 uh, mark there for last weekend. Very impressive. I want some of that, man. We did finish plus money, though, on the UFC card. So we, we can't 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 cry over, over that, you know. Some lead stories this week in mixed martial arts. One I want to talk about real quickly is the California bill that was proposed for pensions for mixed martial arts fighters. Have you heard about this? It's on ESPN. It's a story right now that's kind of circulating. I'm not sure how this works because, you know, ultimately it comes out of money, money to help support uh, a former fighter that's now no longer making income from fighting, right? Some kind of a pension program, retirement fund, healthcare, these kind of things, right? So California is proposing some kind of mechanism within their government to create some kind of a, a pension for fighters. Maybe a first step towards doing something. Maybe, look, not the big solution. Not going to solve everything. Not going to solve the brain injuries and whatever else. Not going to solve the bad decisions these fighters make, whatever else the case may be. But a, it's something. Because one thing we got to figure out in the long term is what happens to these fighters when they're done fighting. How does that look? What does that look like? And, and if you can envision what it looks like, don't look good. Don't look great. Fighters who don't have an education, got their heads rattled around a little bit. Um, yeah, it just it, it it proposes situations that are are, are a bit meek. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure this will be the beginning of, you know, steps towards something else. You talk about unionizing, you know, whatever else the case may be. There needs to be something because right now they're just independent contractors and that sets them up for a lot of exposure. So, yeah, look this up. The California bill that they're proposing right now for pensions for mixed martial arts fighters is pretty cool. Pretty cool. 
Jim Miller's eye injury. That's also on ESPN. I was not aware until I came across some of the lead stories, you know, just last day or so. We all know who Jim Miller is, of course, right? UFC fighter, just fought recently, got a loss. He lost to Hernandez, right? He's trying to fight until, what, UFC 300 or something like that, trying to set some marks. He's had a lot of fights. But he has an eye injury now. He had a bad, what they call, cataract, where basically now he has a blurry vision, like a permanent injury in one of his eyes. It requires surgery to, to repair it. But if he gets surgery, then he might be exposed to other potential injury factors if he was returned to fighting. So he's decided now, I'm going to forego fixing my eye. I want to keep fighting. I want to make sure I hit to I go to UFC 300. And in essence, putting the surgery aside, <laughs> and he said that I'll be fine. I'll be okay with training. But yeah, I, I don't know. These guys are built differently. It reminds me of... Um, the guy Bisbane. Bisbane, you know, Bisbane has a fake eye. A completely glass eye, dude. One of his eyes is just, well, not a fake eye, I'm sorry. One of Bisbane's eyes is like completely blind. Can't see shit. You know, took too much damage in the fight. For Jim Miller, there's damage there now. Man, stop, retire, fix the eye, call it a day. So, yeah, I don't agree with the original or the initial reaction there from Jim Miller in terms of what he's thinking about doing. I get he's close to accomplishing some of his career goals, but man, dude, not worth it. Your sight's not worth it. Some of these guys will tell you, well, I got another eye. It's like, dude, not, not worth it. UFC's finalizing a contract between Sterling and Cejudo to fight. Yes. All Jermaine Sterling versus Henry Cejudo, the king of cringe. These guys are going to be lacing it up or putting the gloves on, whatever. At some point this year, on one side of it, awesome. I'm Super stoked. It's like, great. You know, get Cejudo out there. Get Sterling out there. Good for everyone, right? Good for the, it's good for the fans. But damn, like, doesn't the UFC just, like, put whoever they want in championship fights? <laughs> it's like, oh, you haven't, you haven't fought in, like, four years? You retired? <laughs> Come on, John Jones, you got a title. Cejudo, oh, you, you want a title fight? Skip over everyone in front of you. Come on, let's go. There's a ranking, <laughs> a ranking system, I thought. And you, you move up the rankings, you become the number one contender, then you can get a shot or number two, or you know, you beat them. You know, UFC's like, listen, we're gonna WWE this shit. We're gonna bring in whoever we want, wherever we want, and that's how we're gonna play this game. And so, yes, Henry Suhuda will be fighting Aldermane Sterling at some point. <laughs> Take a sip of my glass here, my wine. So James Krause updates. Do we have any news about the status of his investigation and we know the gym fighters we know that stuff i haven't heard of peep i, I mean i'm i'm digging i'm looking for information about james kraus we put a poll out months ago we put a poll out asking how long until the investigation would be like somewhat complete where we have an announcement that okay james kraus is going to be facing these Penalties, whatever the case may be. I was like six months, a year, three months. This was in November. So that's December, January, February, March. It's been four months. No, it can't be four months. December, January, February, March. Yeah, it's, it's been about four months. Okay. So it's been four months. We don't have any, I don't know. We don't have any um, resolution. We've heard some fighters get suspended as well. Uh, no one could work out with him. We got that. People moved around. But what is the status? And I am, as every day goes on, 
I have the I have a feeling. I, look, this has happened so many times before. When someone gets pinned for being the bad guy, the fall guy, and they just come raining on him with accusations. And then when the dust settles, we find out like it's a small little penalty or like there's a little little backstory somewhere. Oh, James Krause pays a a forty thousand dollar fine and is reinstated by the Nevada Commission. But then he becomes kryptonite and no one's going to touch him. No one's going to work out with him. UFC basically just says, oh, he may be approved, but we're just going to like kind of blackball him. That's going to happen to James Krause. He's going to end up being found guilty of like like, like, a, like a wire fraud or some shit like that. It's going to be th- it's gonna be nothing to do with, with gambling in the fights. <laughs> It'll be like a tax evasion type of shit. He'll pay some small penalty. He'll be fully reinstated by the Nevada Commission. And then it become kryptonite. Mike Tyson once lost his license. There's been much bigger fish who've lost their licenses over all kinds of different issues. I believe, I have no reason to believe it, but based upon situations like this, I think what ends up happening to James Krause is that he ends up getting pinned for something really small and minor, super small. He pays that bill and then becomes basically kryptonite and never comes back to the sport in a high level because UFC blocks him, Bellator blocks him, and he goes off into the abyss as a guy who's like, yeah, man, I fucked around, made some money gambling while I was also in the sport, got on the wrong side of the wrong people, got tossed out. Remember I said that. Remember I said that James Krause ends up getting found guilty of a very minor offense, nothing even near what he's been sort of accused of, and he's now being treated guilty until proven innocent. Remember, UFC was like, get out of here, dude. Get out of here. You're done. <laughs> so. What's to look forward to, guys? Well, what do we have in March? We have March Madness for UFC. UFC 285, UFC 286. The PFL season starts, I believe, in April. The Challenger Series will be over soon. We also have actually really March Madness. The basketball tournament comes up in March. March is going to be a great month. No more Apex until April. And I think even in April, there's like only one Apex event. So live crowds. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely looking forward to the live crowds. So much better than the Apex. Uh, Apex is just a very sterile environment. And uh, quite frankly, I don't want to see fights in here anymore. <laughs> I don't want to see fights there anymore. I just want to see fights in the crowd, the arenas. I want to hear the crowd. You know what I mean? Oh, one more event that happened this past weekend, or two more actually. KSW 79 was on Saturday. I didn't watch any of it. We had Bellator UFC in the main event. There was a win for Phil DeFries. It was a championship bout. He won by KO in round number one of a five-round fight. Good for him. Retains his belt, I believe. I love KSW. This brings me to another subject matter real quick. Real fast, let me talk about this. Why? Why? Why are MMA promotions scheduling their events anywhere near the UFC? I'm like... Why are you scheduling events on Saturday? Do not schedule events the same day as the UFC. Don't schedule them before the UFC event and definitely not afterwards. Look what Jake Paul did. Jake Paul fought on Sunday. How? A, what, a, what a concept, fighting on Sunday. What a novel idea. The NFL has an entire day of the week that they've like integrated in our, in our, our minds as Americans. Sunday is football Sunday, right? Got Monday now, Thursday too. But Sunday, why in the world can Bellator not just put their events on Sunday? 
excuse me, about to sneeze again. I mean, how difficult would it be? Like PFL does Friday, smart move. Invicta does Wednesdays, okay. KSW and Bellator both tried to pull their shit off on Saturday. How many people did they not have watching those fights because they were watching UFC? I mean, just period. And for Bellator, this is twice in a row now. The Fedor Emelianenko fight, which was like two weeks ago, the retirement fight, that fight, by the time the last, let's say, two fights in that main card were being played, UFC was already on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, Just put that shit on Sunday. <laughs> Tommy Wright's in here. I want apex size cage in front of a crowd. Okay, well, that's a good point, Tommy. Apex does have the smaller cage. It invites more, more contact, less running. Tommy, I'm not sure if we agree on this point. One thing I don't like is the fact that the apex cage is even just a different size in general. That's some bougie shit. Now, I know it's not basketball, but it'd be like playing basketball, like a 10-foot rim for one game. Next rim's gonna be, next next game's gonna be nine-foot rim. You know, just it's an odd, it's an odd dynamic. <clears throat> but your point is well accepted in that if they have to fight in the apex size cage, just more. More blood. <laughs> there will be blood. I'll agree with you there. Let me give a quick, quick shout out here to our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the internet for fighter film? You don't want to pay extra subscription fees to watch old fights? Well, FightTube is on the job. FightTube.org is creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library that can be accessed from a traditional computer or mobile device. FightTube's beta version is set to launch this spring. FightTube.org, the MMA video library. So, um, moving into next week, we've got UFC 285, and I was doing some film study today. Oh, let me tell you right now off the bat, that first fight in the card for UFC 285, the first fight that we have listed was um, a dog I want to talk about real quick because I'm going to get back to it during our breakdown. I do want to mention this. It's the bear with me, guys. Pulling it up. The first fight in the card. Oh, it's been moved around, right? Oh, second fight now. So Damon Blackshear versus Fari Basharat. Damon Blackshear. Plus money, Damon Blackshear. I'm taking a stab at him. You don't gotta listen to me. But he's like, I mean, he's sitting around like plus. I think Farid's like I put it this way. Farid's good, but he's not Javid, his brother. We'll have the breakdowns out for you, but DeMont Blackshear is a dog we're going to be looking at this week. Jessica Penny, you know, I guess let me give you guys a little quick preview of what I'm thinking about this card for UFC 285. I'll give you just a little bit of a preview. It's not a breakdown, just a preview, what I think offhand. I'm curious when I come back and look at this later in the week how accurate I'm going to be. First fight, Loik Radzabah versus Esteban Rubovics. Mm, wow, that's a tough one. This Robovic kid's undefeated, huh? We'll go with Esteban. But Loic is no joke. I, I thought Loic, didn't Loic fight for the PFL? Was like UFC, PFL, back to the UFC? Is that what's going on here? Yeah, wow. This guy, Loic, has made the round. So Loic, interesting. This is, this is Loic's first time in the UFC, and he's lucky because he was in the PFL since 2019 then fought for eagle fc last year one time got a round one 
choking. Now he's in this fight versus Esteban. Was this a replacement fight? Hold on. It is a replacement fight. That's right. Camuela Kirk backed out. So Esteban Rubimix is not gonna he's not gonna fight Luik Radzabov, who gets the call up. Wow, good for Luik. Well, <clears throat> Abraham Khan. What's up, my friend? Oh, thank you for stopping by, Khan. I appreciate that. Listen, we do this show every Sunday night, which is very late. So most people are not even awake at this time, right? It's 1 30 in the morning here, Eastern time. Sunday nights, Midnight MMA, that's every Sunday night. Religiously, we do that show. But then Fridays, we usually do like a pre-fight show for PFL during this time of year. When PFL Challenger Series ends, we'll find another night of the week, do another live show, Abraham. And we'd love to have you come by, dude. Your comments or suggestions are always welcome. Guru the Piggy. What's up, my man? Okay, so... <laughs> um. You know what, Guru? Can I can I show it to you? Maybe can I can I possibly show it to you? Let me see if I can find it. So let me give you the synopsis there, Guru. What ends up happening is back to back rounds. The referee takes points one time from Jake the first time, second time he does it's Tommy. Fights are the fight rounds are close. Everything's fairly close. Last round, round eight, Jake Paul knocks down Tommy Fury in what looks to be like almost like a slip. But it's a knockdown. I thought at that point, that's it. Jake Paul's going to get it. Goes to the scorecards, and split decision goes to Tommy Fury. Very surprised. Very surprised. Um, so, yeah, that's that was the result. I think that the crowd was a little bit surprised. It was a pro-Tommy Fury crowd, though. That was very interesting. And if you don't know, I, I thought it was a, it was a pro-Tommy Fury fury crowd like for example in the um give me one second i'm actually i might have the fight here for you i'm trying to find it for example in the post fight interview they were keeping just to jake paul getting some comments from him whatever in that post fight interview he said something like oh you know i whatever it didn't really feel like myself tonight i you know uh, da, da, da. then he says i'm like you know, I'm still happy. I have a good life, and I've got you know my my family, my money, and whatever, whatever else the case may be. And it came off a little bit like I know I lost, but I still live. I'm still living fast and rich, and so whatever. And the crowd starts. Booing. I'm like, oh shit, they're booing him. Yes, if I could fight, I fight. Could have, dude all day every day on decision win Jake Paul the second thing I would have done is gone Jake Paul to knock down Tommy Fury because see my thinking is that I feel like these fights are fixed a little bit and if they are fixed I think that's part of the parameters is Let's see here. <clears throat> Give me one second.
All right, so Tommy, this is going to be round number six, right? This is indicative of what the fight looked like. It was a lot of Tommy Fury would come forward, and then Jake Paul would kind of wrap him up a little bit. Uh, Tommy would lay lunches here, and then you know Jake Paul would kind of time up. Uh, my bad, Guru. Let me see if I can um, fix it. Here, give me a sec. I appreciate it. Let me get to the end of it, right? That's what you guys really want to see. I think my internet connection is shit, by the way, recently. It's definitely part of it. Give me one second, guys. I'll pull it up. But anyway, so for this fight, I, I'm I'm surprised that a lot of the a lot of what ended up happening. I'm surprised that the points were taken away. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised. You know what I mean? I, I feel as if if you, if you could have told me before that Jake Paul was going to lose this fight, I would be like, nope, hell no. I feel career, he's fixing these matches, right? You know what I mean? Give me a second, guys. I'm going to fix this. Just give me one second. So, yeah, I wasn't... <sighs> this, this referee's a mess. This referee's a nightmare. I'm looking at him taking the point right now from uh, from Tommy Fury at some point. I Listen, that referee, by the way, was a clown. He literally continued to get in the way of both the fighters. It was like stopping the fight. Like He just constantly talking to them. Just super annoying. This this wants to be very difficult, right? Maybe we can get the highlights of the fight. <laughs> My goodness. So yeah, round round eight comes around. There's a there's a little bit of a slip knockdown. Um, uh, let me see if I can find the highlights. Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul. Yeah, there's a slip of like a little slippage. It's nothing too crazy. Um, and uh, ultimately. I thought it was enough. I thought it was enough to to basically get the the win for for Jake Paul, but you know, here we go. Maybe maybe this will work for you guys. Let's try this now. <laughs> this should be the uh, highlights of the fight according to what ESPN or whatever. Yeah, I mean, look, it was fight at time. You know, like a few times, Jake Paul would eat a handful of combinations. The referee was way too involved. I mean, the referee just talked. And a matter of fact, in the broadcast, they're not letting me show this, huh? This, this is just lagging like crazy. All right, let me just remove that because it's not working. Anyway, not the best fight ever, but for Jake Paul, what happens now? Does he move into, like, fighting again, Tommy Fury in a few months? If he loses that fight, it's like, oof, you know? Um, he doesn't need this, right? He's doing this all for whatever shits and giggles. I think, though, that...
So you're bringing up some good points, Abraham. At least the points canceled out. Yeah, I totally agree. At least that happened because, quite frankly, it was um, – I was worried. I was worried that was going to open up the door to referees. I mean, the, the officials doing whatever they want to do. You know, judges now had two rounds points. It's like <clears> – <throat> Abraham also writes in here, I thought Jake Paul was a lock. I had him parlay with Muniz, Drakis, Shevchenko, Shavkat as a lock parlay, but it looks like I was dead wrong. Look, Abraham, you and me and almost everyone thought Jake Paul's going to win this fight, not because he's a better boxer, but because of the whole narrative. You see, Abraham, if you could post for me, what book did you use and what state are you in to set that bet? Because we are in New York. We're New York-based. Sometimes in Pennsylvania too. So I'm, I'm between New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. That's where I travel between, right? I do business in all three states. But the point is, you could not place a bet on Jake Paul in any one of the three states on DraftKings or FanDuel. It wasn't available. These are major states that offer lines for almost every sporting event. Why were they not offering lines on Jake Paul? You know why? Because I think they know that shit's also kind of, you know, not in the up and up. That's that's my reasoning for it. Because when Jake Paul last fought. Back in the fall, that was available. That was available on DraftKings. It was available on FanDuel. I believe those popular books just said, listen, take this off of here. We're not sure what's going on here with this. So, oh, yeah, bet online. That makes sense, Abraham. So bet online, yes. And you live in Oklahoma. There you go. So Abraham took some action in this fight on bet online in Oklahoma. If you want action on Jake Paul fights, there's a tip for you. Number one, bet online is probably where you want to go. I don't think that they're going to offer lines for Jake Paul fights on DraftKings. They're just not going to do it. Imagine this. Jake Paul, here's food for thought. Jake Paul, as big of a, his own, he's his own economy, right? You don't ever hear nothing about DraftKings. Wouldn't DraftKings want to like be in bed with him? Like, oh, you know, hey, it, we'll sponsor Jake Paul. Jake Paul can do, you know, listen, Jake Paul will get a tattoo of DraftKings on his forehead if they paid him enough money. You know what I mean? That's the kind of guy Jake Paul is. You don't hear DraftKings. You don't hear Fandle. Matter of fact, I don't hear shit from any casinos when it comes to Jake Paul. I wonder why that is. Is it an issue of... It can't be because he's an athlete. There's tons of athletes who have affiliations with casinos and betting you know, companies. Why not him, though? Why not him? So Abraham writes in, see... He he see Abraham, we're on the same page, dude. He writes in here, I was thinking this stuff was rigged too. That's why I bet the fight goes to decision on every one of his fights. Only failed me once. So Abraham, besides him knocking out that boxer kid, uh not boxer, not a child, Nate Robinson. He knocked out Nate Robinson. Besides that, it's almost all look fixed. Well, he did knock out what's his name too, though, right? He knocked out uh Woodley. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know. I, who was the guy that Jake Paul fought before this fight? Oh, he fought Woodley again, right? No, 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 no. What am I saying? He fought Anderson Silva, and that fight was fixed. I, I, I Just like William Knight threw the fight two weeks ago in UFC Vegas 69, William Knight did not try to fight through the fight. Same thing in that fight with Bruce Silva. Silva went down from a punch from Jake Paul that barely landed. <laughs> I'll replay it a hundred times over. He he barely landed that punch. That fight was fixed. He did knock out Woodley. So if you were watching the fight in the fall, I was watching that fight with my kids, my wife, and my family. We were just kind of having a family evening watching Jake Paul fight, you know, whatever. 
And when he knocks down Anderson Silva, we're all like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, you're, it's a knockdown. You don't know. You can't see all the angles. They replay that shit. Anderson Silva, who's been hit with, you know, four ounce gloves and been in some wars and former UFC champion and broke his leg. I mean, went down from that kind of punch. Yeah, that was so fixed. And so going into this fight, I thought to myself, Jake Paul by decision. Jake Paul's going to get a knockdown. The fix is in. Here's how it works. We do get a knockdown. We do get a decision. But then, <laughs> then, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's in the best interest. Yeah, I'm with you, Abraham. I'm I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. My man from Oklahoma. By the way, uh, Abraham, I went to college in Lincoln, Nebraska, at a little-known school called the University of Nebraska. Yeah, I'm a former Cornhusker. I don't have any memorabilia here. I should. I should. I was an athlete, too, in Nebraska. But, uh, yeah, we were bitter rivals of the Oklahoma Sooners. They stayed away, but uh, OU is a good place, too. Boomer. Sooner. <sighs> Had buddies down there. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Midwest lifestyle, by the way. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Colorado, you know, Kansas, some of the Dakotas out there. It's good living, man. Cold-ass fucking winters, but good living. So, yeah, shout-out to your Boomer Sooners out there, buddy. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, Jake Paul fight, that's keeps it moving. But since we're talking about Jake Paul, I got about another 15, 20 minutes before I have to wrap things up here. But since we're talking about Jake Paul, in a weekend where we saw KSW, PFL, there was another boxing event or two, obviously UFC, and uh, you get this Jake Paul thing on Sunday. We had Floyd Mayweather fighting on Saturday night. Floyd may never retire weather. That's what he should change his last name to. I may never retire weather. My man has retired how many times? Like, and now he's fighting who? Who is he fighting? Oh, yeah, Oklahoma State. Okay. OSU. Gundy, Coach Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, I'm about OSU. I like OS, oh, Oklahoma State. I like uniforms, too. So, <clears throat> Floyd Mayweather, money team Mayweather, whatever his team money Mayweather, whatever the fuck they go by. Oh, it's going to sound rude. If, if Mayweather hears this, he's probably going to put me on blast, but fuck it. Why? What my first question. Why are you still fighting, dude? Why are you? Why? Who? Who? He fought a guy in an exhibition match this weekend. Exhibition. Six rounds, five rounds. I don't know what it was. Just random catch weight or some shit like that. Some guy who used to be a boxer. Mixed, he's a mixed martial artist turned boxer, trying to make some money. Average guy at best. Fought Bellator. I I didn't know Mayweather was fighting on Saturday until the Ariel Hawani show played the interview with this guy who's fighting him this week, like on Thursday. I'm like, I had no idea this guy was fighting. I didn't know Mayweather was still fighting. Mayweather fought some Japanese guy. Wasn't that on New Year's, right? Exhibition match. Exhibition match. I mean, Mayweather is about money. He wants to make money. He likes money. He likes it a lot. That's his biggest thing, making money. I guess he's making money, but like, why? Like, couldn't he just make more money with like a good stock portfolio like and a good investment agent? Could you just make more money just like buying up like all of some parts of like, you know, growing cities in parts of the United States? Couldn't he make his money like 
opening up like maybe the biggest boxing gym or or boxing promotion or boxing. I mean, why is he still fighting? <laughs> then why is he fighting trash? Why is he messing? That's right, Abraham. That's right, dude. The rising card is where he was at. That's right. I remember them making the announcement. We're going to have Mayweather fighting. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck, man? I don't get it. Oh, Guru the Pig writes in. You hear this, Abraham? I live in California, but all over the U.S. I met a girl from Tulsa when I was working in Salt Lake City. Ha ha. I like me some Tulsa girls. <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, uh, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, my senior year of high school. Before I would ever know, I would end up in Nebraska for college, but I went out there for a competition. I was a gymnast, and I broke the hell out of my, my elbow in a competition, spent the part of the night in the hospital. That was my only time in Tulsa. Yeah, Nice city, though. Nice hospital. Good place. <laughs> Abraham writes in here, that shit was weird. I think his bodyguard got knocked out in the co-main event. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I don't even listen. I don't know what's going on, dude. I mean, again, a guy with all that money, right? And he's got, I believe, some children already. Why? It's like Tom Brady. Why, dude? Like, I'm glad he's doing his thing and moving on, but like, why'd you come back this year? Why did you do it, dude? And for some people, some of these guys, like, who's another one? Who's the guy? Um, the Spanish boxer who's so annoying. He's, he's around. De La Hoya. Pfft, Oscar De La Hoya. He he wanted to fight last year, right? He was trying to fight. He wanted to get in the, out of the cage. I'm like, or the ring. I'm like, please stop. Stop it. None of you guys need to get back in the, in the, in the, in the ring. Stop. Let you guys go retire. Go be promoters. Go be mentors, whatever. We don't need to see that shit. It's bad enough we got YouTubers fighting out here now. <laughs> we don't need these old ass people coming back. It's It's over. You know what I mean? So the case of Floyd Mayweather, I'm just questioning his life choices now at this point. Like, once you're done boxing with that perfect record, like the Connor fight, okay. Even though those fights were kind of poop looking back and we really had no chance of having a real fight because Mayweather's just, you know, a great defender, doesn't want to actually get into a real fight. There was some more, there was a little more appeal there. Now him traveling around the the Mayweather circus. Like, can, can I fight Mayweather? Can I get like four or five rounds exhibition? My last thought on this: when they were interviewing the guy who fought this past weekend on the Ariel Hawani show, like last Thursday, Ariel asked him, "How many rounds?" The guy was like, "Um." Yeah, I'm not sure. In the contract, it's five to seven rounds, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm 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 good either way. Aaron was like, "You don't know how many rounds the fight's in like a day or two? I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it though." I, listen, man, I'm ready for five rounds or seven rounds, so we're not sure yet. Then Aaron asked him, "What what weight class? What's going to be the weight?" And the guy's like, "Oh, yeah, we don't, you know, not sure yet. He's gonna let us know." Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck is, what are, we ta- what are we talking about now? What are we talking about? This, this is not fighting. This is, this is just a, this is just celebrity boxing, make a few bucks. <laughs> and then this guy who I, I forgot his name, God bless him. He's like being so optimistic. He's got a young child who's sick and trying to raise money. 
His child got a surgery on Monday, and he's like, you know, he's like, he's acting like this is going to be his new career path. He's saying things like, yeah, this is more what I want to be doing, you know, taking these kind of fights. I'm like, yeah, everyone would rather be doing this. Every combat fight, well, I should a lot of combat fighters who have not been successful fighting through the main promotions in real fighting would rather do this shit. Who would not rather do less time per round, shorter fights, <laughs> friendlier climate, tons more money? Don't get it twisted. Every single fighter out there who's actually fighting their fucking ass off and trying to make whatever penis they're making, they look at Jake Paul like, hmm. I wish I can get part of that pie. Like, fight less competition, higher profile, tons more money, shorter rounds. I mean, it was an eight-round fight Jake Paul fought yesterday, right? Eight rounds, and then maybe it was like six rounds. Like, they're not fighting 10-round boxing matches against really good competition. They're they're basically setting up these, like, quasi-fake fights. And so that's why I believe some of the books are not also letting this be available for branding purposes. They see this shit. <laughs> it's a modified boxing. You know what I mean? So yeah, that interview last week on Air Hawani show was very telling as to what was to be expected for that fight. And it went to a no decision. I didn't see the fight. I just saw the results. No decision, exhibition contest. The Floyd Mayweather circus continues. I don't know. But of all the things that we watched this weekend in sports, to me, the funniest one was still watching UFC Vegas 70 <laughs> fully into the main card. I'm like, okay, you know, got my wine ready. I'm watching the card. And they're like, oh, the main event's off, by the way. Krylov got sick, came to the arena with some food poisoning. It's going to now be Muniz and uh forgot his name already. Brandon Allen. Couldn't believe that shit happened. <laughs> that was pretty ridiculous. Keep the comments going, guys. I'm going to be here for about another 15 minutes. Got to close things down at about 2 o'clock, but um, whoever's in the chat, your comments are welcome. I'll respond accordingly. Guru the Pig writes in here, would the ultimate fighter be more interesting if Connor was coaching female fighters while they trained and lived in his <laughs> and lived in his yacht? The kicker is Connor throws them overboard as soon as they back talk or deny sex to Connor. Yeah, I love it. See, Guru, you're a man of uh, the same, you're the man of the same cloth as me. I love Connor's life, right? Who would who wouldn't want to be Connor McGregor, right? This guy yacht living, throwing hoes off his yacht. That story, by the way, we talked we covered that story a few weeks ago, and it's such a funny story. First of all, she's like 40, so she's not like very young, but she's milfy like. And so and she supposedly knew him from like back home in Ireland, like you know, like knew him, like, oh hey, Connor, what's up? And he's like, Oh, what's up, Nancy? Bring your 40-year-old ass on the yacht. Come party with us. Nancy had a bathing suit on. Nancy then had a full night on the yacht. And then Nancy in the morning, I guess, denied Connor of some <laughs> pleasure. And then she got tossed overboard. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Living la vida loca. When she, you know, came across the police, she had nothing but her bikini on. I'm like, so when you went to the big the sleep on the yacht, did you just only board with the bikini on? Did you sleep with the bikini? Like, just... So many questions. Yeah, you know, I'm going to answer your question in a serious way, Guru. I'm going to tell you this. I think that if the UFC 
did the ultimate fighter in a way where it could be men and women and then somehow try to play on like you know how you do like big brother and shit like that and there's romantic relationships with the with the contestants that kind of thing right but like with the fighters you know like again not you're going to break up marriages and shit like that that could be kind of cool so here's a great point Abraham brings in. The Floyd fight was not even on bet online. So you see, here's the thing, dude. Like they're becoming hep to the idea that these are not really sporting events. These are not real sporting activities. And that's why I think, even though, for example, Jake Paul was available on bet online, it wasn't available on a lot of the books. And I think that might continue that trend. Look, this is ultimately, it's not a sport. Yeah, I said it. It's not sports. Not sports, you know. Guru writes in here, imagine living like Connor and just doing whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, like, let's all do this for a moment. Let's all pause and breathe in all the imaginary energy like that movie with Adam Sandler. Goose Rob. Goose Rob. Imagine living the life of Connor McGregor. Like G5s, yachts. So much fucking money that you don't even... There's nothing you can't buy. You've bought everything. Planes, yachts, judges. You bought everyone. You've bought everyone you can imagine. We're from food stamps to riches, rags to riches. That's the best part of his story, honestly, is the fact that he wasn't always rich. I love that, the whole liquor thing. And I'm not a guy who is a big Connor. I'm not a big Connor fan. I'm not a big Connor fan. I'm actually, as as there's a Connor poster right over my shoulder with Khabib. I don't like some of the things he's done. I respect the hell out of his grind, though. I respect the hell out of his grind. So imagine living like this lavish lifestyle of driving Bentleys, speeding to practice and getting arrested for speeding and like reckless driving, having no license. Fuck it. New York City throwing chairs and shit through a bus and getting charged for whatever he got charged for. He's like, fuck it. Throwing bitches off of yachts. Connor's gonna be Connor, man. Connor is a he's a media magnet. UFC and Connor like this, Dana and Connor like this, as they should be. He's incredible for the brand. But yeah, imagine living like Connor. Like if you could be Connor McGregor or or Elon Musk. Or, or like Mark Zuckerberg and all of them the same age. So I know Elon's older, but if you could be those three guys, like which one would you rather be? I'd rather be Connor. I'd rather be Connor. I'm pretty sure Elon is worth more than Connor, and I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg's worth more than Connor, but I'd rather be Connor. Like a guy who wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth, who made his fucking money his way, who, you know, <laughs> walks the way he walks, carries himself the way. I mean, swagger wise, he's got a little more swagger than those two dudes. You know, I, I'd rather be Connor. And again, I'm not even, I'm not even a Connor guy. Be Connor. So make some Connor. The walk. The funniest shit Connor ever did, by the way, was when he went to that baseball game and threw that baseball out there. Is it the Colorado? I mean, Colorado, Chicago Cubs game. We went out there and, you know, the suit was so tight, it was about to rip off of his ass. <laughs> he goes out there and he throws a pitch. And it's like, 
I don't know where the fuck the ball was at. He's a fool kid. Connor's the best. Who writes in here, is it even possible that Connor can become an even bigger superstar than he is right now? Imagine if he goes completely 51 and 50 and and, uh, content insanity, which was filmed in a 24 reality show. I mean, one thing about Connor is he can get bigger than what he is because he's young enough and he's got enough money. The ultimate fighter is going to remind people of how popular he is. But yeah, he's at he's at the peak, right? He's I think he can get a little bigger, but he's up there. He's up there. Abraham writes in here. At that point of richness, it's all pretty much the same. I feel like that's what I'm saying. Like if you'd rather be like if you're talking about like, you know, everything else. I think Connor's got the everything else, the swagger. I mean, that liquor company thing was amazing. The scotch thing, that's just unbelievable. He's even got the accent. I can't do an Irish accent, but he's got the accent, mate. You know, he's you know he's got it. He's got it. He's got a little swagger about him. And again, I am not a big Connor guy. I mean, I you know. <laughs> so Abraham writes in. You know, when we're talking about Zuckerberg and talking about the people that are at that level of wealth, right? It's, yeah, you know, it's money's money, right? I got G five and, and jets and shit like that. Abraham writes in here. So I'd rather be the guy who at least could fuck people up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're damn right, dude. Cheers to that. You're damn right, man. There's something amazing about what do you do for a living? I fuck people up. That's what I do, my friend. Well, as we wind things down here, guys, last seven minutes or so, I do want to remind you to please do me the favor of liking and subscribing to this channel if you haven't done so already. Please. The one big, big thing I'm going to ask you for a favor is subscribe to our Substack newsletter. And here's why you want to do that. The link's down below. Totally free. Requires just an email to subscribe. You receive one or two weekly emails from us via Substack. It's a, it's a platform. It's not a personal email. It doesn't come from me. It's an email that'll come out with a full card breakdown and a tip sheet for UFC 285 coming up this weekend. So every week you receive a new email in a newsletter format with a full card breakdown, odds, betting spots, and the full tip sheet for all of our bets. Earlier tonight in our show, we went over some of the tip sheet results from UFC Vegas 70, along with our Excel sheet and some of the documents that are available. So not only do we have the Substack newsletter, which you need to subscribe to that newsletter. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> do it now, Chapa. Subscribe to our newsletter. Super dope newsletter. Totally free. Informative information for you. Do that. Please do that. that. That's super important. You must do that right now. Right now, do that. Okay. Secondly, our documents on the Google Drive. That link's down below. So we have fighter note breakdowns, Excel sheets with the film library, and our tip sheets. That's all available on our Google Drive, and it's in a nice, neat format. That link's down below. When you go to the Google Drive, you'll see folders. You'll see like UFC Vegas 285. You'll, I'm sorry, UFC Vegas 70, UFC 285, PFL, whatever. If you don't see what you're looking for, because it's a past event, click on the archive folder. It'll open up a folder. It'll be all the stuff you're looking for right there. In each, each folder, you're going to find the Excel sheet with the film library, individual fighter breakdown notes with stats, information, details, background, strikes per minute, strikes absorbed per minute, all that shit's all in there. All compiled hours and hours of research in there for you for free. So please look at our Google Drive when you have some time. Subscribe to the newsletter. That is the most important thing. That's the way you can support what we do here. If you like any part of our content and you want us to keep making more content, that's what we need from you. We don't need your money. We could use a pat on the back every now and then. That's, that's okay. But we need you to subscribe to our different 
platforms. So follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, leave comments, tell people how great we are and what we do. Okay. But seriously, subscribe to the newsletter. That's the best way you can support us. It's a, it's a great platform. Like for example, last week, if you were subscribed last week, you received the PFL Challenger Series Week 5 full breakdown, written format, bet tip sheet. You get the Bellator main card and one prelim card, full breakdown and tip sheet. And of course, you got the UFC Vegas 70 full card breakdown and tip sheet. Three weeks in a row, we're positive return on investment for UFC events. Three weeks in a row, winning streak for UFC. Looking to push it to four weeks in a row. All of our content is free, 100% free. And we can keep it that way with your support. I feel like I'm on a telethon now, like a telethon. Pick up and call us at 1-800-so-and-so and leave a donation to MA Fight Club. No, seriously, the way you support us is by subscribing to these different platforms, being here with us, leaving comments, suggestions, liking and subscribing. That's what I need from you guys. What do you guys need from me? More content? Better breakdowns? More live guests? Of course, we need more guests. We had no guests tonight. Next weekend, we'll be returning with some guests. Usually, we have a few guests coming through, some fighters. And if you look at our YouTube page, you'll find a handful of interviews. We had Jennifer Maya interview a few weeks ago, which she's fighting coming up with this UFC 286 or 85. I forgot. Um, had an interview with Sajar Eubanks that we published from a few weeks ago. That interview was published this weekend, but that's a really good interview. I know Sajar Eubanks is not a star by any means. I get it. People pass judgment on her. She's no longer the UFC got cut. Really good interview. Really informative interview. Anyway, a few more comments here before I wrap things up. Abraham writes in here. My man, Abraham. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. I'd rather be the guy who fucked people up. <laughs> Talk about Connor. On a 1 to 10 scale, how jacked are you for UFC 285? Just how good is this card this Saturday? Well, <laughs> pretty jacked up, Guru. Pretty jacked up. I mean, first of all, like Shevchenko's fighting on the card. She's a pretty big name, and it's like an afterthought because that John Jones thing is just, I mean, its I'm getting chills. The UFC <laughs> pulled the move here, man, and they just knew what they were doing. Out goes Francis Ngannou. They're like, in comes John Jones. It's going to be amazing. We're going to see a shift a little bit, a little bit of a shift. When I say a shift, here's, here's let me paint out a picture for you. Gone wins. He's young. He's, uh, I mean, he's super talented, right? He wins. It's the changing of the guard. It's Francis Ngannou walking away, the guy who he could not beat, right? And his old teammate. And now here, Francis Ngannou exits straight, stage left, whatever. And now Gon comes in and picks up the belt. And it becomes Gon world. I think John Jones then, maybe fights him again at some point. Will John Jones go back down to light heavyweight at some point? That's a conversation too. I don't know. But this conversation about John Jones and his return, there could be a real damper on this thing if Cyril Gon wins the fight. You know, on the flip side, John Jones wins. Oh my God! I mean, it's been, it's going to be, yeah. If John Jones wins. It's going to be John Jones every day, all day, goat, pound for pound, all that shit. Look at a rematch. John Jones has an eight fight deal. He signed with the UFC. He will not make that eight fights. I think John Jones is actually. I think he's damaged goods, guys. Yeah, I said it. I think John Jones is damaged goods. I think he's got a lot left in him, but he's got he's got a lot going on too. A lot going on up there. You know what I mean? Jeff Shanko Grasso, awesome. Shafkai is a nightmare. That guy's amazing. Matuz versus Jalen Turner. That's gonna be a good fight. A lot of good fights. Bo Nickel versus Pickett. Bo Nickel's like a minus two thousand favorite. I'm fading Bo Nickel every day, all day for every fight until he loses. It's gonna happen. I will fade Bo Nickel. 
He's going to win, but I'll fade him on the betting sheet. Cody Garbrandt, who he scares me. So, Jenny. Derek Brunson versus Drykus Duplessis. I do like Drykus. He looks pretty good, right? So, some good fights. You got Ian Gary from South Africa. I'm sorry, Ian, uh, Ian Gary from Ireland. I like me some Tabitha Riki. Riki, ah, Riki, Kiki. So, yeah, that fight card is going to be amazing. Looking forward to it. What else is this weekend? Did I? I'm going to make sure I look at the full week ahead. So this week ahead, we're going to have PFL Challenger Series week number. Oh, Cage Warriors 149 in San Diego. I'm trying to get John DeJesus on our show this week or just for an interview this week. He's in the main event, John DeJesus. Cage Warriors is available on a lot of books. Good promotion. That's where our buddy uh, Patty Pimley came out of. So Cage Warriors will be on Friday in San Diego, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. It's Cage Warriors 149. Then also on Friday, PFL Challenger Series number Six in Orlando. Octagon 40 is on Saturday. UFC 285 is at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday. It's going to be held at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. There is some boxing next weekend. And then we move into uh, the second week of, of March, which will have Bellator 292 on a Friday. Yes, see Bellator? Bellator, you can do Friday events. You can do it. Just stay the hell away from Saturday. You know, that's going to be a rough night. So next Friday, two Fridays from now, it's going to be Bellator on Friday and Challenger Series. I don't know. Anyway, a lot coming up. We kind of got through these last two UFC Vegas cards, which were not the best. <laughs> um, some comments. Let me catch up. Yes, thank you, Abraham. The newsletter, I think, is is pretty robust. I'm going to, you know, I can... Uh, you know, just a little, little toot in the horn here. It's it's just detailed as all fuck. You know, you're talking about. Okay, let me just put it out there. I listen to a lot of stuff like you, but you guys listen to stuff on mixed martial arts. I hear talk shows. I hear some breakdowns. The last three weeks, we have been like fire and fuego on UFC. Maybe not winning every single bet, but like picking like nine out of the eleven fights correctly, or ten of the twelve fights correctly, or maybe only having one fight off been fire and part of it is the research the data the information if you're following a capper or someone who announces fights and you know what they're doing i would want more information that's all i'm asking for i just want more data like where's your opinion coming from so we do film study of course and we do data analysis and we do data compilation and we do also comparisons how do you know that that's why we provide this information to you guys so when you see our written breakdown a newsletter it's very detailed if you don't want a long ass breakdown you don't have time to read that's fine that's fine maybe you do have time to read a little bit maybe you like to read maybe you just want to see the stats the bullet points so we highlight that in the newsletter as you know abraham there's highlighted points there's like stuff in bold text where you can see oh that's an important stat you want to know that stat and then the tip sheet our tip sheet is so detailed you find out what we're betting what our what our bet is what our return's going to be how much risk we have and if you know our tip sheets specifically, we don't expose ourselves very much. We cover several angles to make sure that even if we're going to lose, it's going to be minimal losing, potential to win average amounts all the way up to big amounts. That's our betting style. But to back it up with so much data, that's what's key, Abraham. And that that helps me from my perspective and my staff because I have people who help me just compile stats. We want to make sure whatever we're giving you is based upon numbers and stats and not us just saying, oh, this guy looks like he's pretty good. And last time I saw him fight, he, he dude, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, he's a good fighter. That's not analysis. That's um, opinionated general overview, right? And so it takes a ton of time. That's the one thing. It does take a lot of time to do it this way. 
But in, by doing that, we share with you the nuggets. We give you guys information you can count on. And hopefully what we do by that is also grow our audience. So people know when we come to MA Fight Club, long, extensive, detailed breakdowns to give you the, the information you need. Now, with that said, we also produce our quick picks video and other stuff that's shorter for you guys. And it's there for you guys who have less time or more time. But for the people that want the full breakdown and the full analysis, that's what we're here for, Abraham. So thank you, Abraham. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you following us. And I appreciate you subscribing. Do what Abraham's doing. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow our tip sheets for UFC. And you're going to make money and enjoy the content. There it is. Easy, easy peasy, right? <laughs> Guru the Pig says the newsletter is an IP grabber. LOL, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it would be. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't own the Substack, so I would get um I would get very little return on that. But I do emphasize newsletter is uh, is important. We put a lot of time into it. We're looking to get some ghostwriters soon. You know, have some people come through and do some not ghostwriting, guest writing would be the right way, but ghostwriters slash guest writers to get in here and uh Okay, Abraham, I'll talk about that. I'm going to close it out on that note. I will close it out on that note. So Abraham writes in here, is there LFA on DraftKings? No, Abraham. That's a big mistake by them. I think that LFA is plenty, plenty reputable enough. Well, I, let me rephrase. It's not a mistake. DraftKings do what the fuck they want to do. They should offer it because it seems pretty reputable. They offer Cage Warriors, and I, I found it to be in the same vein. Um, but I wouldn't put it past LFA that maybe LFA doesn't have a deal with DraftKings. Like DraftKings is at a point now where they could probably even like charge people. Like, you want us to offer your stuff on our website? You got to pay us money. I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, for for LFA, they're not available on DraftKings, and they should be. They should be. I hope they are available at some point. John Jones versus Cyril Gunn. Who's going to win the fight? And who do I have to win the fight? If you can follow me on this thought process for a second, guys, just just hear me on this and, and don't have to agree with me, but hear me on John Jones versus Cyril Gunn. John Jones, who's been through a lot the last few years outside the cage, was at one point like the bastard, you know, the bastard child. The UFC turned their back and said, listen, we want nothing to do with this guy. He's domestic violence issues and drug drug issues, whatever. And many of which now you look back on the drug issue is not as much of an issue. Um, it's uh, it's debatable as to what that was about. And the domestic violence stuff is also, you know, look, depends how you look at everything, right? People make mistakes. So it could all be explained. But he has not fought in a long time. Long extended breaks from actual fighting don't make you better at fighting. You can get stronger, you can get faster, you can train, you can work on a lot of skills, you know? But you have to be active in fighting to be able to be at your best. John Jones will not be at his best this weekend. Period. Point of fact. Will he look good at times? Will he be full of energy? Will he be excited? Yes. Will he be more or less injury-free? Yes, 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 yes. But John Jones is a light heavyweight, historically. This is a move up to heavyweight against one of the most athletic people that he has ever faced, that's also a natural heavyweight. Cyril Gaon has a lot of ability. He doesn't have this like exciting, I'm going to maul you, get into a crazy fight back. That's not how he fights. But technical is all fuck. 
big as hell, will have bigger legs, will kick harder than John Jones. And Cyril Gaon is taking some good punches. He could take a punch. He's been there with some good guys. He fought Francis Ngannou. What did this is with him? So when I look at the reality of what John Jones is now, and then what Cyril Gaon is now, I think Cyril Gaon has him in a lot of areas. John Jones hasn't fought in a long time. He's not a real natural heavyweight. He's moving up in weight. This is a huge event for the UFC. UFC is like, listen, we lost Francis. We pull in a guy who we kind of turned our back on and said, look, we don't know what to do. You know, spent him and took the... I mean, John Jones has been stripped of his belt twice before by the UFC due to issues, right? It's been a rocky relationship. Now, they patched everything up with this new eight-fight deal and paid him however much money for this fight, which has not been disclosed, but it's a lot of money. John Jones is, in essence, a, a paid actor. He's the part-time paid actor to fill the role of what Francis should have been filling. They wanted Francis in this spot, but Francis is like, listen, I'm done. I'm, I'm walking away from all this shit. I want to do something else. UFC scrambles and says, who can we put in here? Let's bring in this guy who hasn't fought in years, who's not even ranked, and throw him in there and make this a mega fight. And everyone's going to love it, right? I'm going to love it. I'm looking forward to it. I think Cyril Gaon is going to pick him apart for five rounds. We're going to go to decision. And Cyril Gaon's going to win a decision. And it's not going to be nearly as exciting as what people want. I hate to say this to you guys. I look forward to the fight. Every round I'm going to be, I'm going to be dialed in. I'll be right there. I'm going to be looking just like you, dialed in. We're probably going to see five rounds because they're both very skilled. They could both work from range. John Jones needs to take his time and get himself established. Cyril Gaunt's always taking his time and working from distance. I said it two years ago about Cyril Gaunt. Super duper talent, but never going to be box office. That's never going to be Cyril Gaunt. UFC knows that. UFC is hoping John Jones wins this fight. <laughs> he's box office for better or for worse. He's box. He's a domestic fighter. UFC loves what he possibly brings to the table, even the bad boy image. The pound. Listen, he wins, he becomes pound for pound, blah, blah, blah. Cyril Gaon wins, there's no pound for pound conversation. Around that conversation. So, we're at a crossroads here for the UFC. UFC would prefer John Jones win. It's, it's better for their bankroll. Cyril Gaon wins, and then now defends his title decision after decision after decision. Leg kicking from range with no finishing. That's what they're going to look forward to. And it's not going to be good. It's not going to be box office. I do not believe Cyril Gaon has that gene. He's not a finisher. He's not an angry man. I mean, in the Francis Ngannou fight, even when there was some shit talking, he was all like, oh, we oui, oui. parlez-vous français, and everyone is happy. I just, I'm here to fight, and I don't want to get bloody. I want to fight from a distance. I'm a big, massive man who fights very careful. That's, that's, that's Gaon. That's how Gon fights. That's going to be a problem in the future. It's going to be a big problem. I can imagine even a meeting at some point where, where, where Dana just tells him, listen, if you don't start actually beating people, we're going to get rid of you somehow. <laughs> you got to actually beat people up. You can't go out there as a 265-pound man and pepper them with leg kicks and jabs for five rounds. That's how this fight's going to go, though. I think this fight's going to be four to five rounds of peppering with jabs and strikes and staying safe and winning the technical battle. And then post-fight saying, as people are booing, like, boo, when it's some action, like, oh, I don't know why people are booing. I'm from France, and we, I won the fight. It's been technical, and I, I just don't understand, but I, I wish you all the best. And, uh, you know, I, 
I, I give John Jones a, a lot of credit for coming out here and fighting with me. And I will go back home and eat my crackers and cheese and my wine. Now, every French person probably hates me. Look, some stereotypes are real. I'm Puerto Rican. It's true. A lot of Spanish people carry small knives. Not to stab you with. It's just a fucking thing. I don't get it. I don't know. Black people do enjoy fried chicken. It doesn't mean they all eat fried chicken. It's, it's a stereotype. It is, but it... <laughs> uh, Mexican people like beans. I'm, I'm Spanish. I'm Puerto Rico. I love beans. Some stereotypes are fucking... They are. Cyril Gaon is the kind of guy who represents his culture very well and that he's elegant, eloquent. You know, he probably puts on a suit, looks amazing. You know, but he's the last motherfucker I'm going to call to come back me up down a, down an alleyway like in the Brooklyn in Brooklyn somewhere, in, the, in a bad city. I'm not calling him. He's the guy I would call. He'd be like, well, what is the problem, my friend? Why not you talk your way out of it? Maybe you should call the police. Dude, I need you to get my back. Dude, come. I'm, I'm about to get my ass beat over here. Can you come get my back? This guy would come over and try to talk to people. Like, come on, that would be. I got on a tantrum. <laughs> so forgive me. Yeah, I just uh, I worry about the long term value of Gon as a heavyweight champion in the UFC because of his fighting style. I believe he wins his fight, though. I believe it's a points affair, and I think he gets the best of. Jones. What would what would surprise me would be somebody getting knocked out, or Jones getting on the ground and somehow submitting Gun. That would be. Um, I don't think we're gonna see it though. Not gonna happen. Oh wow, that was I got a deep breath here. I'm gonna read a few more comments and then I gotta let you guys go. Abraham writes in here. I totally agree. I'm going to take the dog shot, but I think John Jones becomes a wider favorite just because he's John Jones. Yeah, dude. See, people are betting on (laughs) – you know what's funny about this, dude? Some people betting on John Jones never watched him fight live years ago. You know how many people are betting on mixed martial arts who just got into it like a year or two ago? They didn't even even fucking see this guy fight live. I mean live like, you know, even on TV. They're betting on the allure (laughs) – who he was like that's a very dangerous way to bet on people. A long t- he has not fought in a long time, a long time man. Just got it, got it. Use your use your head here. Use your head and and look. Money line prices are basically public votes. It's basically the uh, it's like the it's like a it's like a poll. We're taking a poll. Who's the, who the public likes to win? John Jones is getting the votes because John Jones is the American and he's popular. He's all good guy now. We don't care about none of the stuff he did before. Everything's all positive. He's totally rehabilitated his whole life. UFC loves him. So the public perception is on the side of John Jones, and that perception is jaded by past years ago events. You know? I mean, how many times did we do that in sports? Like we see. Let me use the example of Tom Brady this past year. Tom Brady, like, you know, even the last few games where, like, you know, you don't want to bet against him. People like, I don't bet against him. It's Tom Brady. He's always got a way of doing it, you know? Oh, you know, I mean, it, it, at some point, he's just getting old and the team's not good and he can't keep winning. And so, you know, you're, you're not betting on John Jones in 2017. That's not, that's, this is John Jones 2023. Different deal, right? Abraham writes in, he beat Ty up pretty bad, but I get you. Yeah, so the Ty fight was a, was a really good example. Thank you for Abraham for bringing it up. I 
he did tag up time to Vasa. And I thought in that moment, we saw what Gantt's capable of if he's forced to trade. Because Ty put it on him a little bit, right? Ty, didn't Ty knock him down? Um, it kind of forced him to, 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 to react and fight. Now, with Ty, unfortunately, Ty is um, he's reckless, you see. And that's, that's part of why Ty had this blip and came crashing back down was because he's reckless. He wants to just – his thing is like, listen, I'm going to come bang with you for a minute, and if I lose, I lose, and if you win, if I lose, I lose, and if I win, I win. It's not It's not a strategy. <laughs> it's not a strategy, Ty. He tried that shit with Gon, and he caught Gon a little bit, but then Gon's so technical kind of said, you know, you want to fight like that? I'm going to catch your ass, and he caught him. John Jones will not fight like that. I don't believe he will. More technical. So, yeah. One more comment here from Abraham. People are under, underestimating or underrating Gon's grappling. Yeah, that, there's that. And then also, I don't know how you submit a man with his physique. His neck is the size of a, of a bull. His arms are like tree trunks. His legs are like redwood forest trunks. I mean, the guy's built so stacked. I mean, how do you submit Gon? Yeah, he's going to be bigger. He'll be the bigger guy, too. So, yeah, I think I think Cyril Gama will walk away with a technical decision. Yeah, and I don't see a finish either. Well, Abraham, it is my pleasure. Um, let me give a shout-out to the people that were in here tonight. Abraham, Guru the Pig, thank you, sir, for stopping by. I appreciate you very much. Earlier we had Tommy, Tommy Unders from 365. Appreciate you, Tommy, for stopping by. It's always a pleasure. For those of you guys who were in with us tonight, thank you. You guys kept us company. Nice chats, nice conversations. If you're watching this tomorrow morning for the morning commute, because we will be having this available via podcast, so you can listen to this in the morning on your way to work or getting ready in the morning, whatever you want to do. Two hours and 20 minutes worth of me babbling about last week in mixed martial arts, but hopefully giving you some tidbits or things you may have missed. Do us the favor of liking and subscribing. If you're listening to this on, listening to this on a podcast, give us a five-star rating. And if you don't do so, I'm inclined to think that you don't like us. Please subscribe to our newsletter. That's super important. That link is down below. Follow our content. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Have a wonderful Monday morning, and we'll see you guys soon. Next video will be coming out be Tuesday-ish, Wednesday-ish for UFC 285, along with our full card breakdown via newsletter. Have a wonderful night. Abraham, thank you again, dude. You guys were a pleasure tonight. It was good being with you guys. Have a great Monday morning, and we'll see you guys soon. Deuces.